camera opens on a mountainside. It's snowing. There's flakes going everywhere. It hasn't started snowing just now. There's snow on the ground. It's getting a lot thicker as you go up this mountain. We see Howland. He is a lot younger than we know him now. How old would he be by that point? Let me just think about it for a second. I was going to say, are you asking me? Because I, I don't know what the... F- How old would he be then? It's like, when? when is, when is it? When is then? Just now. You missed it. When? Now. When did then become now? Just now. <laughs> He's younger. We'll just say younger. He's trekking through a mountainside, and it's winter. There is a blizzard. Well, I shouldn't say blizzard. It's just a little storm. Snow is coming down. Not too hard. It's just a winter scene. And you guys are going up a mountain. We see Howland. He's a lot younger, as I said. But with him is a familiar person. We see Malik. Hmm. So Malik is scouting ahead of him. He's uh, not really saying too much. It seems like he's just letting his actions dictate what you should do and, you know, follow him. Going up a mountainside, is there anything that you're saying to him? Or do you just want to continue? We're just silently going behind, basically. You are pretty far from the Knights Congregation. Malik snuck into your room one night and asked you if you wanted to go on a trip with him. You said yes, obviously, of course, you wanted to go on a trip. You had no idea what that would entail, but it seems this is what it entails. It hasn't been much of a journey. It just seems to be you guys talking when you have to and then walking for most of it. And this is when it's getting really cold, but you like the cold. So it doesn't really have much of an issue. But it's getting much colder than in other areas that you've been. Especially as you are climbing this mountain. The snow is becoming thicker. Malik turns to you, and he raises his eyebrows as if to ask you a question silently. I just look at him and I just nod my head and go, yeah. (laughs) He smiles and turns back and continues... You see in his hand, he holds his cane. It has the black little broken shard on the top of it, and he's carrying it like a walking stick, trying to trek up the mountainside. And then, all of a sudden, there's a roar, steps coming faster, and then something knocks into him and throws him against a tree. Before you go any further, I knew... I knew exactly where this was going, and I, <laughs> like, as soon as we were out here, I was like, I, I know exactly what's going on, and this is what this shit is about to be right now. <laughs> For the audience listening, it's, uh, Darth Plage, no, shit, you, sorry. Why, why don't you let the fucking Star Wars fan explain it, bud? Okay, go for it. Tripping over yourself, confusing Darth Sidious with Darth Pelagius, how dare you? <laughs> For audience reference, it's Darth Vader looking alpha as fuck, charging through the battlefield, and Sidious is right behind him with lightning everywhere, and then there's a bunch of stormtroopers behind Sidious. I get the feeling that's what this shit is about to turn into right now. You know what? I'm excited. Is that what you want to hear? I'm fucking excited. (laughs) I need you to roll for initiative, please. No. Oh, okay. Alright. Alright, I'm getting off. It's been fun, but I gotta go. Not even six minutes in. (laughs) Yeah.
That is interesting. So on a 14, you are going to go first, Howland. Okay. So just to clarify what just happened. It was just a very surprise attack as Malik got hit and then sent into a tree by some rushing creature. Malik doesn't know what it was. He doesn't see anything after he gets hit. But you turn to what you've seen, and there's two large creatures. They're white, furry. They resemble almost Yeti-like people. One of them standing on their hind legs like a bear. I'm not sure if you've ever seen something like this, but they have large teeth. One of them has their jaw open, almost hissing at you, and they have black, beady eyes staring with one horn on one side and then a horn on the other side. One actually looks like it's got blood on it. Uh, not theirs. You can assume that might be Malik's. Yeah. If you would be so kind, what's your first move? I don't have Charm Person yet because I don't have my wand. That is correct. Did I have Poison Spray at this point? Yes, you did. That's one of your cantrips. I am going to get ready with this, and I'm going to put on Armor of Malik. Okay, Armor of Malik. That adds how many temporary points? You gain five temporary hit points, is what it's telling me. Is that going to be your action for the turn, then? Yeah, I suppose so. Then next in the order is going to be... I'm just going to call them Winter Beasts, since you don't really know exactly what they are. Mysterious, white, beastie things. Yeah, they're the Beastie Boys. The first one that has the blood on its horns looks at you, Howland, after you've just cast this, like, I think orange and red armor all over you, kind of like this ethereal-looking thing, and he actually roars this. Kind of sounds more of like a snake, like a hiss. It's going to rush you, and he's going to... What's your uh, AC at this point? 14. That misses. How does he miss? He runs at Howland, and Howland darts to the right, like at the last minute, just flies out of the way, basically. Kind of does a slide, like slides through the snow to the right at the last second. Malik is going to go next. As you slide to that and he's trying to charge past you, the Winter Beast, you just see a large portion of his skin almost evaporate a little bit on his backside, like the fur just starts dissipating into the air. And you look and you see Malik holding his side where he had just been hit, and he's holding his cane towards the creature. Like, his hair is a little bit messy, but he's got a weird smile on his face. Then the Winter Beast, the second one, you turn and you see the other Winter Beast getting ready to attack you. This time, he gets on his hind legs, and it looks like he's trying to pounce on top of you. And that is a 16. Your AC is 14. That's two damage. As it comes down on you, it I'm not going to say he jumps on top of you, but he definitely does knock you in the head and the other parts of your body. I'd say that's blunt damage more. Now it is your turn again. When I use Mage Hand, that basically just gives me one big ethereal arm, right? Yep. I want to use Mage Hand, and I want to try to grapple the horn and pull myself on top of the one that just tried to attack me. Okay, that's an eight. Yeah. And so you jumped on top of him. You have the Mage Hand on top of the corn. The You have the Mage <laughs> the Hand. Corn. You use your mage hand to sling from the horn onto the creature's back, and you are now on the back of it. I'm not going to say that's your entire action, so you can do something with that if you want to. Can I cast another spell, or can I do something, like, physical? You can do either or. While I'm on his back, I want to put my hand right in front of its face. Not in its mouth, but right in front of its face, like, a couple inches from its face. And I... (laughs) I want to cast Acid Splash 
right in its face. Roll damage. Rolling the dice. Four damage. It screams. It doesn't roar. It seems like it's more in pain now. Can you roll a dexterity saving throw? He's trying to buck you off. You have blinded him. You actually see the (laughs) eyes almost pop out of his sockets. Good. Ooh, Ooh. natural one. (laughs) That's tough. That is real tough. He does buck you off of it. He bucks you so hard that it looks like you're doing a cartwheel in the air. (laughs) I just queue up call on me playing while Howland's going through the fucking sky like a shooting star. That's a natural one. I'm just imagining as he bucks Howland off, you just hear Howland getting farther away like, Bitch! (laughs) I'm going to give the second Winter Beast advantage because as you get thrown off of the Winter Beast... Malik turns his attention from the Winter Beast he had onto you and the Winter Beast he was holding onto. Roll twice, and that's a hit. Turns to Malik, and we actually see Malik looking away towards you, Howland, as the Winter Beast turns around with his bleeding back and starts charging with his horns out, and he jumps right into Malik, who falls down to the ground. His cane goes into the snow, and he's holding onto both of the horns as the thing is snarling in his face. Malik's turn. You see Malik. You land in the snow, like, I want to say 20 feet away. That's four damage. You actually see Malik. He's reaching for the cane while also trying to hold onto the horns as the thing is trying to attack him and looks like he's trying to eat him and chomp down. Picture the mouths like Ripjaw from Ben 10. He's reaching for the cane, and it looks like he's struggling. The thing is trying to snarl at him, trying to jump down on him. Malik keeps reaching for the cane, and it keeps going out of reach. And finally, he pulls his hand back from the cane, and he looks right into the creature's eyes, and he says, Fuck this. And he uses his hand and pushes it into his forehead. And from inside of his hand, there seems to be something comes out, and the creature just stops, and it falls over. And from the distance, you see Malik getting up from underneath him, but you see the creature, and it has a large icicle sticking out of its forehead. (laughs) Good. Good. The other one's turn, the one who is blinded. Malik turns his attention from the dead one to you, and then back to the other one that is running around, blinded, screaming. I'm going to need you to roll a dexterity saving throw as well, because he's blind. He's running in a parameter looking for you guys. So can you roll a dexterity saving throw? What a fucking idiot. Can't even see me. What a fucking idiot. You rolled a five. Yeah. Yeah! Okay, let me see what damage that does. <laughs> the snow is on top of his head, almost like a little hat, and his nose is kind of red at this point, and he's like, God, what a fucking idiot. And what, a, what a dumb blind animal, dude. You see this shit? What a fucking dumbass. <laughs> and as you say that, he turns his attention to you because he can hear you, and he starts rushing towards you. I just look at it as it's coming for me, and I'm just like, I'm not taking it back. <laughs> not apologizing. And then it hits you again. I think it hits you in the ribs. Try to take a big chunk out of you. As of right now, Malik is still getting up from getting done with the, uh, I'm just going to call it a Yeti because that's close enough. Okay. But he's he's still getting up from killing the Yeti. He can still go on, but he's definitely fucked up. I mean, clearly, he basically got bored in the chest with a fucking horn. And I've been getting the shit kicked out of me by these Yeti creatures. And now the one that I blinded is extra pissed off and he's on top of me. At this point, 
He's on me, and he's trying to fucking eat me. I just feel something. Howlin just has this fiery sensation in his chest, and he looks down, and he sees that the horn has entered his chest, and he can feel that it's a couple inches from his heart. And Howlin looks at Malik's staff, and he puts his arm out. The staff flies into Howland's hand from across where Malik was, and Howland takes Malik's staff and he puts it right in the face of this yeti, and Howland closes his eyes for a minute, and when he opens them, they're just glowing with purple light. Howland doesn't even say anything, he just points it at this fucking yeti. He quite literally blows its fucking head off. you see a purple light come out of this black crystal, and it's like a shockwave. Like, it literally blasts this thing, completely disintegrates its head. The neck hole is black and charred, and the body flies back about 20 feet, directly off of Howland. Oh, boy. Yeah. Both yetis are down. I'm glad you used that moment, but I'm not just going to say that you walk this skewered moment. You're not going to walk that off right now. Like I said, the, the horn, he could feel it, was a couple inches. Quite literally, he could feel it, it was a couple inches from his heart. Like, if the thing moved about three inches to the right with its horn, Howland would probably be dead. So, he's pretty fucked up. You see Malik, he kind of rushes over, and he picks you up, and he sees that you're bleeding. Can you roll a perception for me real quick? Yes. Bop. On a seven. I'll just give you this. And it's not everything I wanted to give you, but I'll give you this. He's not as worried as you think he might be. Okay. As he looks at your wounds and he sees that you have are literally bleeding, but he just doesn't look as worried as he should be. He immediately takes out his bandages and he's wrapping up your chest or wherever it was. I think it was around the ribs. And he's not saying much. He actually takes the cane and he looks at you in the eyes and he says... Howland, just for the life of me, I just can't seem to recall. What was your favorite food again? God damn. Howland, is, he's got blood coming out of his mouth, and he's like, you know what? You fucking stumped me. Give me one second. Let me think about that one. You know what? I'm gonna have to say... And right before you say that, he sticks his cane into the hole on your chest, and then there's a light, and there's a huge pain in your chest. I, it was lobster! Oh god, it was lobster! I was gonna say lobster, Jesus Christ! <laughs> Fuck! Basically cauterizes it. It's still very much painful, but you're no longer bleeding out. And he says, Lobster, thank you. Uh, I'll remember that for later. Sorry, I forgot that. And he uh, steps up and he picks you up by the hand. And he looks around looking for more yetis. He might not even be saying it to you. He might just be saying it to himself, but he just does say it out loud. He says, That was an interesting development. As Howland is still wiping blood off of his mouth, he just looks at him and he's like, Yeah, you're fucking telling me. <laughs> By the way, off the record, do I... Because again, this is way back in the before times. Do I have reanimate dead at this point? You know what? I'll make a quick decision on that. At this moment... I'm going to say you have a version on it. You've been working on it. 
I'll allow you to attempt to animate dead, but it's not like when you actually have the spell that you just Yeah, it's do. not like I know it. It's like I have an idea. Yeah. So it, it's kind of like bootleg animate undone. Yeah, so if you wanted to do something right now, I would make you roll for it. I'm going to look at Malik, and I'm just going to say, uh, <sighs> one second, let me try something real quick. And I'm going to walk over to the dead yeti thing that Malik basically skewered through the fucking head with an icicle. And I'm going to take out my book of spells, and I'm going to flip a couple pages, and I'm going to start reading an incantation to try and bring it back from the dead and just make it like a thrall for a little bit. Okay, um, I'm just going to take a minus one for this. I'm not going to give you disadvantage. I'm just going to give you minus one. Just roll an arcana. Arcana. Ba, ba, ba. Natural 20. Okay. <sighs> That's good. That's good to hear. You describe exactly what happens. Howland is reading an incantation from his spellbook, and you just see the yeti creature start to, to twitch, and you see almost purple light faintly going through the veins of it, and it starts to get up. It stands straight up, and it takes the icicle from inside its head and yanks it out and tosses it behind it. And it's sitting there, just looking directly at Howland. Howland looks at it, and he says, Good. Carry me. And it picks him up, and it puts him on its back. And just so Howland can stay on it, he takes out his knife and, like, <laughs> gently pushes his dagger in the shoulder of it to, like, hold himself on. He's basically on its back, he's got one arm around the neck, holding it, and then he's got his hand attached to this dagger that he's almost using like a makeshift handle. While he's on the back of it, he just looks at Malik and uh, he's like, yep, we're good. Worked out. He walks over with his cane, he looks up at you and he says, can I have a ride? But of course. I just snap my fingers and I'm like, hey Tiny, pick him up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm imagining this yeti just, like, puts out its arms and cradles Malik close to its chest, almost like it's holding a baby. <laughs> we're gonna continue on this little journey that we're going on, but I'm gonna cut a little bit forward. We come up to the top of the mountain, and we're staring down at this, I would say a valley, but it's not that big. It's just, like, a little dip into a little bowl in between the mountains. And he points to a cabin, it looks like. From what you can see, the cabin would look normal. It's just a cabin. But as you get lower and closer to it, you see that it's run down, destroyed, like something has come inside of it and broken it apart to get to whatever was inside. And Malik makes the thing circle the cabin once or twice, and then finally he uh, searches through the mountains and he finally points off to a nearby cave. And you start heading to that direction, I would say. Okay, so we basically looked at the cabin, said, nah, this is dog shit, and now we're opting to go to the cave. Uh, roll a percept- no, roll an investigation. Ba -ba -ba -ba. Bop. Ooh, damn, a 25. From what you've just noticed, Malik came to this cabin, saw that it was destroyed, and he's looking around, and he finally points to an area, the cave- and on a 25, I'm going to say that Howland believes that Malik was looking for whoever was inside of this cabin. Since it's destroyed, he doesn't see any bodies. There must be somebody in the cave that he's looking for. That was the only direction they could have gone. 
or probably the most logical conclusion. I see. So, you guys head off to the cave with the Yeti carrying Malik and you. You get to the mouth of it, and he looks inside. It's too small for the Yeti to come in with you. Malik looks up at you, Helen, and he says, I think you should leave our dear friend here for now. I just look at him, and I look back at the uh, Yeti monster, and I'm just like, as you wish. Snap my fingers, and it kneels in front of the cave, almost acting like a guard. And Malik, from his cane, there is a glow, and he starts lighting the cave as you continue down it. And it goes for a fair amount of time. You guys are walking through this cave until you stumble upon a crack in the wall where there's a hole, and you guys can fit into it, and he actually just crouches and starts going forward, and I assume you do as well. And as you uh, get to the other side, he stops for a second, turns to you, and just in a whisper he says, Do you hear that? I hold out my ear and I listen. Roll perception. Pop. Ooh, a five. <laughs> no. <laughs> you, you can't hear anything. But he uh, points in the direction outside of the crack. And in the corner that he points to, there's like a little tiny light and then shadowy figures. He stands up, starts walking to the figure. And as you guys get closer, you see that there's one little shadowy figure. It looks like a person on the ground. And there's another person next to him, smaller. You don't really see until you come right upon them. There's a taller man. It looks like he had been holding onto the smaller figure, but his grip has lessened, and his skin is pale. As Malik shines the cane onto the ground, you see there's a pool of blood around his torso, and there's lots of areas on his body where he has been stabbed. Just like the one that you got stabbed with, it looks like they were horns. You see the other character on the ground as well. They're sleeping. It's a human girl. Black hair, all messy. Looks like their face is stained with blood along with their hands. They're pale, but not as pale as the man before you. You look at Malik, who sees this sight in front of him, and he looks upset, mad. I'm gonna say that Howland looks at him. I'm gonna, like, swirl up acid splash in my hand and just look at Malik like, are we, are we doing this? Malik takes a moment. Two moments, three moments, before he uh, takes his cane and he smashes it onto the ground, waking the sleeping person. They get up and they move. They put their hands on the ground and they just start pushing back onto the wall. They're back to the wall and they're just staring up at Malik and you, Howland. Malik has his cane with the black light surrounding the area and you with your acid splash in the hand. And this person looks to the figure on the ground and she says, Dad. Dad, wake up. Dad. Dad, wake up. Dad? Dad. Malik just stares down at the girl, and he finally says, I do believe your scoundrel of a father is dead. And she starts hyperventilating. She's breathing heavily, and then she reaches over to her father's body and then just grabs him by the armor plate and then pulls it closer to her. And through tears, she says... What do you want? Well, your father owed me something. And since he has perished, I believe the only thing he has owed me... And he uh, grabs the bridge of his nose, clearly frustrated, and he says, 
is just a long time it took to get here. So, um, sorry for your loss, and I'm very much sorry for what is about to happen. And he smiles, and he starts backing away, and he says, Howland, do your thing. Ah, I just look at him, and I'm like, no survivors? He turns back to you with an eye, and he says, do what you must. And I just look back at her, and Howland is just smiling, and he, like, puts down the uh, acid splash for a second, puts his hair back. He's like, you know, this is honestly my favorite part of the job, and I do mean that. So, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for this. And she punches you in the face. Roll dexterity <laughs> saving throw. Man, I knew it was going to happen. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. Roll dexterity saving throw. A five. Yeah, five. she clocks you. Yeah, she clocks you right in the face. He's just like, no. Now I am really going to enjoy this. She gets up and she starts running down the cavern. It's getting darker down that direction, but you see her figure get swallowed by the shadows, but you hear the footsteps getting faster and faster, and then farther and farther. And Malik says, <laughs> he, he actually laughs a little bit, he chuckles to himself, but then he quiets himself before it. He just says, well, it looks like there's a race. Would you do the honors? Oh, I'm running. Uh, yep. Howland is absolutely sprinting with a bloody nose right now, fucking as I pass Malik, I just, real quick, I'm just like, I got too cocky. <laughs> I just, I fly past him. As you fly past him and you go down that direction, you finally run so far. It's really dark. Do you do anything to shine light or anything like that? No, because I don't want her to see me. Okay. Uh, then I'm going to have to make you roll. Uh, roll in intelligence. That makes sense. Bop. Thirteen. Uh, I think it's just there. Also, don't I... Does this take into account the bonus I get? Because it says I get a three here for intelligence. No, it says you have a six here because you used an intelligence save. It actually has the parentheses next to intelligence save if you look at that. Oh, okay. You're running, and then just, like, in your mind, you get this, like, little thought, like, wait a second, I don't know where I'm going, and you stop yourself right before you hit a wall. You actually feel it in front of you, and uh, you realize that you have come to a specific part. On the right now, there's another hallway that looks like there's light at the end of it. I'm running, and I just find a hallway with light? You ran down one hallway in this cavern, and it just seemed like it was shadow, shadow, shadows. But as you hit this one wall, you turn to the right, and you see another hall that branched off from that part, and you see light at the end of it. Actually, you see the light, and you also see a silhouette just going to pop up behind a thing and then put their head back down. Okay. Okay. As of right now, do I know how to get back to the room I found her in? Yeah, you're not going to get lost. It's not like a, a maze here. You know how to get back. Okay. Let me think about this. Because I know what I want to do, but if this bitch gets away, I will... Okay, okay, okay. So... Mm. I had an idea, but it, it's honestly not worth it. So, what I'm just going to do instead is I am going to sit there, sneakily, 
in the doorway, and I'm going to put together poison spray. I am just gonna charge it up for a second, and I'm gonna make this. I'm gonna bust a fat poison spray right now. Thick as fuck, boy. Hmm? The thickest poison spray of all time. It's gonna be huge. But, yeah, I'm gonna do poison spray in that room. I, I think that's what's gonna have to happen. So, just wherever she is? Yeah. I'm just going to absolutely try to fill that room with poison spray, and I want to wait at the exit with Mage Hand. Okay. Bop. That's seven damage. You wait at the exit with Mage Hand, and you actually hear coughing. It seems like it's a lot of coughing, and then it stops for a second, but you hear kind of a muffled... I'm not even going to make you roll for it, but you can tell, just because you've done this so often, that she's trying to breathe or hold her breath long enough for her to get out of the poison spray. Roll a stealth for me. There we... Oof, okay. Yeah, an unnatural 20. She doesn't know that you're there. You just hear her trying to, like, get out of the poison spray, and she's running back out of the direction. She stops for a second, almost looking for where you are. She can't see you, but she has to take the chance because she cannot continue breathing in this poison spray, and she continues running and she's right about to pass you. What do you do? I snatch her out of the air with my mage hand. And she goes, <laughs> She goes, Ehh! And Alan just looks at her with blood still coming out of his nose, just smiling ear to ear, just like, Yeah, yeah, your lungs, they sting, don't they? That taste, it tastes pretty bitter, I, I will admit. Poison spray, it's, you know, not really something... <laughs> Not really something you want to taste, but you know, sometimes when it's just clogging your nose, you can't help it. You know what I mean? <sighs> just look at the ground and I'm just like, man, oh man. He's tightening his grip with this mage hand and he's like, do you have any idea how fucking long it took me to get here? You see this? I got gored by a yeti today and it didn't feel good. And I'm just squeezing her and squeezing her. And eventually I'm like, but you know, I suppose that's not your fault. It's probably your dad's fault. But he's dead, so that works out for me, you know. <sighs> Lucky guy, I guess. And Can you I roll perception <laughs> while you're doing this? I'm monologuing! But yes, Bob. Oh, okay, continue. Bad perception. Yep, six. Continue. But anyways, I'm just like, eh, born lucky, I guess. But unfortunately, as it would seem right now, you very much are not lucky. And I just look at her, and I'm like, it has been a treat, though. You know, aside from hitting me in the fucking nose. Thank you, though. And he fucking squeezes her like a juice Right box, before you just. do that, there's a bolt of bright blue energy out of her hand no! that hits the back of the wall. It doesn't hit you. Oh, so it's like a Pulp Fiction moment. <laughs> Not like a Pulp Fiction. It doesn't like, it wasn't supposed to hit you. It literally just hits the back of the wall. It doesn't hit you. I just look at the wall and I slowly turn and I'm just like, <laughs> you got me monologuing, you sly dog. And I just, I just, I want, I just want to squeeze. But as you are squeezing that, she thinks that she's lost, but all of a sudden, there's a an echo through the cavern that you didn't realize, and there's rocks that start falling. Can you roll a dexterity saving throw? Oh my lord. 15. Okay. 
the rocks start falling down, you do not get hit. You jump out of the way of the falling rocks. But as you jump out of the way, you let go of this person as they fall to the ground. And they are trying to get all of their breath back. They're actually grabbing at their face, and their face is so red, and she's crying. But the rocks come down, and they seem to have blocked off your path from where you came. So is it just me and her trapped at this point? Yep. <sighs> but as you realize that, uh, she actually just looks at the rocks, then back at you. And then there's a roar from the tunnel that you guys have before you, the one that leads out towards the light that I mentioned earlier. Uh, if you look at her, she's just kind of looking at her hands, kind of bewildered. Uh, Howland is just sitting there, like, rubbing his temples, just like, Oh, my God! I just look around and I'm looking at her and he's just like, great, sweet, amazing, epic, so cool. Wow. What was your plan? What was the plan, hon? Great. We're trapped. You see that? Look at that rock. You gonna move it? You gonna move that fucking rock? And I'm I'm just so, like, he's pissed. And Howland just half-assed grabs her with Mage Hand again and he's shaking her. Like you would shake like a toy or something, or like a, <laughs> like you're shaking a maraca, and he's just like, what the fuck? What the fuck? Just shaking her like, just like, blah, 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 blah. you were gonna kill me. Yes, and now, now I'm gonna kill you even more, and that doesn't make sense. You really shouldn't go into that one, but by God, you, you are really, really pushing me, girly. And I just got her there, and I'm looking at the rocks, and I'm just like, oh, oh my god. And then there's a louder roar from outside again, and she says, what, you're going to face that thing without, without me? Just by yourself? I just look at her, and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was the plan. Gonna be honest. Yeah, with that little gore you mentioned earlier, how are you up to full strength? Huh? <sighs> no, but fortunately I, I do have a plan. Going to be honest. You know, it was fun keeping you alive. We're gonna do this for the third time. But you know what? I think you're worth enough dead. And he just... She last... pulls her hand up and points it towards you, and she says, I don't know what the fuck I just did, but I'll do it again. All right. I'll do it again. I just want to face her away from me, like, all right. Just, like, face her at the wall away from me, like, do it. Do it right now. <laughs> she's reaching back like she's trying to point it at you, but she can't see And I'm you. just like, ah, 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 no, ah. <laughs> he keeps pointing her the other way. She shoots this, like, bright blue dart. It keeps, like, popping out of her hands, almost like Echo from Overwatch. That's what it looks like. Her hands keep glowing this bright blue, and there's a, a dart that keeps popping up, and she's looking for you where she can finally point it at you. And she says, you're not going to be able to do this forever. I know. I'll get you one of these times. I know. And I saying that, I just want to kill her. <laughs> like, I just, I want, <laughs> I want to just crush her. 
just crush her ribs right then and there. Like, yeah, I, I know. You start <laughs> just... crushing again, and her hands like are going limp, like she's trying to hold it up. And then I'm gonna need you to roll a dexterity saving throw. I swear to God, a ten. I'm not. You know what? I'm gonna use that roll still, but it's not gonna be like exactly a dexterity saving throw. There's just a. You're saying like, I know, and I'm gonna kill you. And then there's just some breath on the back of your neck. The long breath, warm, kind of makes you sweat a little bit on the back of your neck. Is she dead yet? She's in pain. She's not dead at all. Okay, I want to loosen my grip, and I want to make sure that I've got both of her arms tucked. All right. I just want to bring her real close to my face, and I'm like, there's a big-ass monster behind me right now, isn't there? (coughs) Yep. Sure is. And it's got really, it's got really big razor sharp teeth, probably ready to just eviscerate me right here, right now, right? Yeah, the mouth's open right behind you. Bring it on. <laughs> and I just, I want to try to jump forward with her still in my hand. Can I do that? Or is that not ten worthy? You know what? Le- I'll give you advantage on that roll. Basically, roll a dexterity saving throw again. Okay, yeah. Yeah! Yeah, 13. Now the game's changed, baby! That's a three-pointer! Put me in! Yeah, I'll let you I'll let you do it, but there's gonna be a little caveat to that, but we'll play it out. I wanna glide forward, and I wanna, like, let her untuck her hands, and I wanna point her at it, and I just wanna... I'm just gonna say, shoot it! Do the shit! <laughs> As you do that, I'm gonna let you keep this little surprise attack. You turn around, and you point her at it. Her hand glows bright blue, and it shoots at the thing. It was a little dark, but the bright blue light shines on it, and it is a big yeti, just like the ones that you saw outside before. But it's larger, and it's actually hanging onto the walls with its hands on the rocks, looking down on you guys. And she points her hand at it and shoots it a little bit, and it hits it right in the chest, and it roars down at you too. I think it's time to roll for initiative. (laughs) I think it's time for an initiative roll. Bop. All right. She shines the bright blue light again. Her hand shoots into the creature's face once and then twice, and it drops down from the the rocks on the ground, and he looks back at both of you. It looks like it caused him some damage, but it was like nothing up. You as a sorcerer recognize that spell. It's nothing really like a lot. It's kind of like a weird version of a different spell that you might have known. Like it's a little dart. It's basically a blast, but it's probably just a cantrip, so it can't do that much damage. So that happens. He jumps down, and he's running forward at you. Yeah, you know, roll a dexterity. Yeah. Seven, baby. Okay, seven. It just launches his hand at the girl as it slaps her out of your hand. She hits the rocks on the wall and gets hit. The impact makes a pretty big sound, almost like a crunch as she hits the wall and then slides down. Then the thing is coming towards you. It grabs onto your arm with its jaw and it bites down, giving you five damage. It is your turn. While it's got my arm in its mouth, I'm just like, you son of a bitch! Nobody kills her but me! No one! When I scream that, I'm gonna take my hand and because it's wiggling my arm, the uh, acid splash that I wanted to do is wiggling around and it's making it almost impossible for me to concentrate it into a ball. 
So Howland, you know, it's getting all over the place. It's getting on his arm. And he just thinks for a second. And the acid splash concentrates into almost a blade. Like a blade coming off of his arm. Can I add just a little bit into that? Yeah. Can it be the arm that he's got a hold of? Yeah. While that arm is in his mouth, I want to just slice downward and try to cut off his lower jaw. Yeah, roll for it. Just uh, roll a d20. Bob. 14. That happens. It lets go of you almost immediately as that thing just pops into his mouth as there's this stinging acid blade that pops in his mouth and you sling it down and you don't cut off his entire jaw but you do dislocate one half of it so you see him as he's just screaming his tongue's flapping all over the place as this acid just steams onto his face and on the ground onto his mouth and he's grabbing at it for a second can you roll d6 yes Bob. five damage that's a lot of damage i'm gonna skip her turn because She's going to be spending her time trying to climb up, trying to get up. Yeah, I would imagine after having your head clocked against the rocks by a fucking massive yeti, you'd you'd need a minute. She looks like she's moving, but it's taking her a bit, so it's going to go right back to this guy. It's kind of like that thing in, uh, in King Kong 2006 where King Kong is, like, messing with their jaws trying to see if they're dead or not, but he's messing with his own jaw trying to see if he can put it back. But then that goes away as he just grabs on. Can you roll a dexterity saving throw? So much dexterity, Jesus. Yeah, no, okay, he grabs onto you. Not with both hands, he grabs onto your chest. It's kind of like how you had the girl uh, wrapped up in your mage hand. This thing's got his hand just grabbing you like that, and there's a squeeze on it as it's trying to scream in your face, and it's actually trying to gnaw on you, but the jaw is not working. You are feeling very powerless, like the breath has just been knocked out of you, and your the pain in your chest from where you got gored earlier is very relevant at this moment because it's super painful. Can I'm going to roll damage for this. Five. It's five damage at this moment. It's just, it's sitting there just trying to bite onto you, and it's actually figured out that it needs to grab you by both hands. It grabs you with the second hand, and it starts squeezing, and it's hurting a lot. Like, you think that you're about to pass out from this pain. In fact, the point of view is in Howland's point of view. The camera is Howland's eyes at this moment, and you are just staring right into this thing's eyes as it's looking down at you and you're staring into its mouth as it's trying to put you inside of his mouth. And then all of a sudden, it's blurry, it's hazy, and you fall down onto the ground. You bang your head off of the ground. The grip loosens, and you fall down. You feel, you still feel it surrounding your body, but you look around, still in this blurry, dazed sense, and you see the thing dead with this bright blue light in its eye and you see this person this girl crawling over to you stands right above you and the only thing that you can see in view in like perfect detail is her hand as she reaches down to pick you up hmm do you grab the hand reluctantly howland takes her hand and she's you know coughing because she clearly has bruised ribs and probably a couple pretty nasty gashes in her head. And Howland, at this point, has a gaping wound in his chest, cuts all over him, his one arm is basically fucked, 
And overall, he's not doing great either. And I want to say, Howland gets up. And there's a moment where she's staring at you in the face. Then it changes for a second. And she falls over. And Howland is just sitting there rubbing his head and he's like, Oh my god. Dude, you're gonna pass out? And then Howland falls back and just (laughs) passes out. Just right there, like, out, done. camera cuts to Howland, not when he was there, but present day. He's in his bed, his eyes open immediately. He is looking up past the camera, staring off into space, as if he just awoke from a dream. He is in the room at the Coral Castle. It is probably the day after you joined the Fright Knots, Well, you haven't really met them, but they gave you a little metal thing that says Fright Knots on it. And this morning, you weren't there, but if you look over by your door, there's a little envelope by your door, like someone had just slid it in. Yeah. I know how Eddie feels about the Fright Knots and, like, the name or whatever, but how does Howland feel? Hmm. Howland thinks it's kind of goofy. Hmm, okay. (laughs) But he doesn't hate it. Okay. Continue with whatever you're going to do. Cannot believe you didn't call them Gloom Knights, dude. I'm fucking pissed. So, I'm imagining Howland wakes up. What does this room look like? The way that you described it before is this was the room that Rib and Howland would have shared, but since he has not been there, um, it is your room, and there's a bunch of runes and markings all over the walls. Besides that, it's completely up to you. I'm imagining at this point Howland has pushed both of the single beds together and made like a a double bed in the corner. I imagine on his off time, Howland has basically like stitched both of the mattresses together to make like one big mattress, really. So he's got his bed in the corner, got a little table next to it. He's got a chest at the foot of the bed, and then there is a window in the far right corner of the room, looking out at the castle. And on the walls, there are just tons of magic runes etched into the bricks, just giving the room protection and making it a little sanctuary for Howland. And uh, then he's got, like, a rug on the floor and a candle on the wall. That's a nice little cozy place for Howland. Yes. But you do notice the envelope on the floor where the door is. Yeah, I'm not taking that envelope. Okay. I won't do it. All right, Howland walks past the... (laughs) (laughs) Howland says, oh, what the fuck is this, and throws it away. I will say I've done that before just to piss off my DM, and he was not happy at all. Hell yeah. There was this note that was, like, attached to my door, and I I looked at it, I was like, oh, that's weird, and I just walked away, and somehow the note just kept appearing everywhere I went as character. I'm imagining Howland looks at the note, opens it, And starts reading it. Intently. It doesn't have much on it. It just says a specific place in the castle for you to go. It seems like it's in the dark belly of the castle. 
like very far down, like almost the bottom floor, there's a place for you to go. It it's just directions to where to go. No, I'm not going. <laughs> not going. Bit never gets old. Nope, never never gets old. I'm imagining Howland looks at that, sees it scribbled on there like come to this, you know, fucking dark underbelly of the castle. Yeah. And Howland is just like, Yeah, alright. But first And Howland needs to float down to the mess hall. And get a cup of coffee. You go down to the chow hall, as you have put it before. You walk in. You see normal people, you know, squads here, squads there walking around. And you're just getting some coffee from uh, one of the cooks pouring you a cup of coffee. And actually, as you are getting this coffee, you spot, you know, roll perception. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it a chance. A natural one. <laughs> Guess we ain't doing the bit then. Sorry, I'll see you later. Howland doesn't notice anything, but I'm I'm gonna say this, and you can you Eddie will be here for it, but Howland doesn't know what's going on. The camera is in the point of view facing towards Howland as he's waiting for his coffee to be finished, and in the background we just see Billy Whack, who's the captain of the banana squad as him and some of his other lieutenants of the squad are looking around, sneaking through the tables, and they're staring daggers at Blake across the, <laughs> across the chow hall. <laughs> and they look like they're trying to sneak uh... up, and they're, like, looking at him. They just keep making back and forth, talking to each other, whispering. They finish it, and then they, uh, they just sneak out really quickly. God. Good. Good. <laughs> Literally good. I hope they all kill each other. That's all I want. Literally die. You put that together. I know. And I'm glad. It's one of the best things I've done so far. (laughs) People can all die. Both of those squads can literally just die. Man. Fucking Billy. Billy Wexler. Whatever. You get your coffee. And you go. Or what are you doing now? So I'm going to say this is fairly early in the morning. And it's kind of a cold, gloomy day. The sky outside the castle is almost gray, so the desert just looks pretty dark and gloomy. And Howland gets a cup of black coffee and just kind of, I don't know, looks around and basically goes over to the part of the mess hall where nobody's at. And Howland is just kind of drinking this coffee while looking out the window at this massive, sprawling desert, just thinking... Thinking about his past, thinking about his future. Just thinking, period, really. You're gonna make me do it, aren't you? Oh, do what? Do what? As we cut back. (laughs) No! (laughs) No! I thought that's what you were alluding to. No. They were trying to have me push through the flashbacks. No, it was for a goof. For a goof. I'm going to say, as he's looking around in the desert, Howland sees black silhouettes of everybody he used to know in the Knights Congregation in the desert while the sky is still gray, and he just puts the coffee down and he looks out there almost like rubbing his eyes like, am I seeing that right? And as he continues to look out at the desert with all these black silhouettes of everybody he used to know, they just disappear. They just turn to ash in the desert. And when that happens, Howland, without taking another sip of his coffee, just dumps it. Just dumps the coffee out the window. Tosses the coffee cup back onto the table where he got it. 
and starts floating down to where he was supposed to meet those who shall not be named. You make your way to the belly of the Coral Castle. You find it somehow. There's staircases upon staircases that you have to find in order to make it to this direction that this letter has told you to go. After you climb down the last staircase, you come across a very cold area. This is where the staircase leads to. In the very back of the hall where you went down, you see chains. They are just hanging down from the ceiling, it seems. But as you approach it and you go closer, you see the chains are going up, almost as if it was an elevator shaft without the elevator. It is going up. There's chains that just go up into what looks like a mist. As you approach, you just hear incoherent voices coming from where the chains have dropped. As you approach, you're looking up, and you just hear, Your voice over and over by multiple people saying it, almost in a laugh. Howland is just sitting there, like, kind of rolling his eyes like, yeah, all right, dude. He looks at the chain and scratches it with his fingernail a little bit, and he's like, oh, rusty chains. It's a nice touch. And he starts floating up the uh, shaft. As you float off into the distance above you, you go into the mist, swallowed whole, and then you appear above it in a darkened room. You don't know where exactly this is in the castle. Like, if you try to think about it, you can't really place it anywhere on the map. It seems as if it might be not allocated to a specific area of the map, you know? But as you get up there, you notice that there are black items just silhouetted almost everywhere. There's chairs and couches and tables, but it doesn't look, like, new. It doesn't even look good. They all look as if they pulled the debris from the garbage or other places where it was needed or destroyed and just decided to put it in the areas that they are now. With that being said, as you're looking around, you do see some figures. They're all wearing masks. You only see three. But as you are floating above this big hole in the ground where the chains are, the chains go up to the ceiling where you are. They just kind of drop down. And in the chains, there's items. There's actually bones in the chains as well. It looks like little severed fingers and limbs. And kind of like uh, in Fallout 3 where a super mutant will put a bunch of their meat. You know exactly what <laughs> The gore bag. Yep. The gore bags, yep. It looks like that. There's dried blood where the chains are. But as you approach, there's a figure in front of you. They're only like six or seven inches taller than you, but it's a big, very big, muscular human woman looking down at you. And you can't really tell where their eyes are because as you are looking up at her, she has got this metal mask and it looks like it's like a smaller metal contraption just sitting on her face. The only thing you can see with that on her face is this greasy, messy hair coming around it, like falling to the sides and to the back of her head. The metal looks messed up and chewed. The best I'm going to be able to tell you is the mask just looks disfigured. It doesn't look like anything completely. You just see her in front of you there. To the right, you see a Vidalkin. And I'm going to send you a picture of what a Vidalkin is. I was going to say, you're going to have to tell me exactly what that is, because I don't know what the fuck. It's a really cool race. 
They are a blue tint. They have a bald head with white eyes and almost slits for a nose. They are staring up at you, and they are very muscular as well. Not as muscular as the woman in front of you, but something also to note is that they have no legs. Oh. They are sitting on top of a, some type of contraption with wheels on it. Is that a race thing, or is this dude just uh, just out here with no legs? Just out there with no legs, it seems. Little legless boy. They have a dark blue metal mask. No eyes or mouth are showing it. And on the mask, it bears a monochrome black and white pattern of zigzags. So when I say a black and white monochrome white pattern of uh, zigzags, what does that mean to you? Of white zigzags? Black and white monochrome. It sounds like a weird distorted checker mask. A little bit. You see the picture I sent? (laughs) Ah, I see. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, that's just what I get coming in here. I'm like, oh, I see Cenobites. Lovely. <laughs> a little bit. Uh, actually, based on what you've described, this is actually, like, it's kind of weird how accurate that is. That picture specifically, like, that's weird. That is actually really fucking weird. Because they're all dressed in, like, this black, but it's not like a leather black. It's more of a, like, a metal type of armor, but it's all slicked with black. And anyway, there's a there's a third character that's up on this really tall staircase, it seems, but it goes nowhere, and he's just standing on top of the staircase looking down at you. And the only reason you actually can see him is because where his eyes are, there are these black lenses that gleam off of the light that shines up from the chasm that you just arrived from. His entire body is covered. This is the difference between the other two that you've seen. His entire body is covered in armor. Bolted down, black helmet with lenses. He don't see his hands, you don't see his feet. Every inch of him is covered in some type of metal. He's not a robot, that's obviously armor, but he has a mask on with lenses, it looks like, black. As you're looking at him, there's a fourth figure. You don't know, you don't see him, but he says, Ah, little Howland. It's good to meet you. <laughs> Uh, uh, yes, I, uh, <laughs> you make him a skaven? You turn around and you see the fourth figure. And this one is probably the most disgusting of the four. They are a small creature. You can see that they're a drow. They're squatting on their hind legs, but they got some of their hands like on the ground too, almost as if they're crawling. It looks like they crawl a lot more than they just walk. They are a drow with a white hair that looks like he's pulled clumps of hair out of his head. Like he's got hair all over, but there's spots where he just keeps ripping it out. His face looks badly burned all over. He has no lips. You can only see his teeth when he talks. Some of his hair is gone because of that, but most of his body looks badly burned. Um, His mask that he's wearing is similar to a bandage that covers his top of the face from cheek to forehead, but he only reveals one large eye that's popping out, and it's blue. Ugh. Me. <laughs> like, just... My god. <laughs> my god. It's so beautiful. What's Helen's reaction to these creatures? Howland just, like, inhales, and he's like... 
I'm home. It's like, I am home. There's a large clap from the person that seems to be sitting on the large staircase, and he looks down at you, and he says, Holland, is it? Indeed it is. And he starts taking a step, one, two, three, slowly going down the staircase. He comes closer to you. The big, muscly human woman with the greasy hair steps aside, kind of backs off from you. The man comes closer to you. And you don't know what race he is because of his whole body being bolted down the way it is. Can you roll perception for me? Yeah. <laughs> A nine. Yeah, I don't think you're uh, really noticing or understanding. I don't think you're even looking for anything at this point. I think you're just trying to pay attention to who they are. But as he comes closer, he uh, just stands there for a second staring you down. I'm just going to look at him. There's a beat, two beats, three beats. And then he says, We have never brought another member into the Fright Knots. Did you know this? I assumed. Why do you think we would do that now with you? I think you really like my hair. You say that, and the small little creature that's uh, on his hands and knees, he just goes... (laughs) (laughs) I just... I, like, how far is he from me? He's close. He looks like he's coming, like he's been around you, almost like a dog smelling your scent, walking around. I just, real quick, I bend down, I'm just like, no touch! No touch! No. No. He backs off a little bit. He jumps and he like he jumps away from you and he says <laughs> doesn't doesn't like touching, I see. <laughs> you know what I mean? I keep, like everybody in here I'm like, okay, that's fine, but this one little guy, this little burned man, you know what I imagine this guy is? What? I like I don't <laughs> I don't know why this is how I see him. I I honestly couldn't tell you why, but this is just what, like, this is what he is to me. And I'm going to be honest, I know that it's not even close to what he looks like, but in my head, this is what he's always going to be. <laughs> That's just him forever. <laughs> this is just what What's he is. What's that guy's name? What does he say? It's fucking Babu Freak. <laughs> oh my god, dude. He's, he, literally he's Babu. Yep. Like, he he is quite literally Babu. I don't care. This guy's fucking Babu right now. <sighs> he says, There's things about you that just fit and feel right. You're like us. You're like us. You actually hear the turning of, like, squeaky wheels as the other one with missing legs comes near, and he says, Yes. Do you wish to face dangers that no other person would dare trifle with? Is there any other way to live? (laughs) (laughs) Stop it! Shut up, dude. You shut the fuck up, David, right now. Just tell that dude to shut up. You just can't it. We're just gonna make him not talk a whole lot right now. We're gonna retcon it. He's not talking. (laughs) Shut up. So hard to take this seriously with that dude like... In fucking back, like. Yeah! All right. Well, just for future reference, that's what he's doing, and only in like certain moments I'll do that for him. He's a little wild boy. The character with no legs on this little wheel thing 
comes closer to you. He says, My name is Wither. I see our friend who likes you very much. He didn't have a name. We just call him Sicko. Right. The large woman before you doesn't speak much, but her name is Swine. And then the guy who uh, has all armor bolted down, he turns around and the black lenses open up. And from the black lenses, there's a yellow light that shine out of them, almost like spotlights facing down you. And they are very bright. And he says, and my name is Wick. Welcome to the Fright Knots. For real. <laughs> right. I'm gonna I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> For real. I wasn't gonna add that part, but I just I I saw it and I took it. I'm gl- I'm if you didn't <laughs> be mad. <laughs> Welcome to the Fright Knots. For real. Wick, now that you know his name, he says Are you ready for a mission? But of course. All right. We will brief you shortly. Grab what you need and meet us in the portal room. Pitter-patter, let's get at her. Do you need anything? I don't imagine I brought, like, anything with me. So I would probably have to go back to my room and grab my book, my mask, probably my scarf and whatnot. Okay, so just your normal gear. You nip off to your room, grab your stuff, and you come back to the portal room. And once you get there, you see them, all four in gear. You see Sicko. He's jumping up and down like a dog, ready to go. His mask is on. He kind of has an Igor feel to him, you know? He's got this weird golem situation, but you can tell he takes the most fun in this thing. And Magwell, for the first time, you notice, is not really saying anything as she opens up this black and white swirling portal in the middle of the room. She looks at them, doesn't say anything, which is very peculiar for Magwell. Very peculiar. And she just faces through the ceiling. Wick turns to you, and he looks back at the three as they go into the portal, and he looks at you, and as he does, he's walking backwards into the portal, and the last thing he says to you is, Ready or not, here we come. Ladies first. He walks through. I walk through behind him. There's this moment while you're in the black and white as everything is monochrome, everything is... Picture Raven's, uh... Whenever she uses her power, it's... Where it just goes all black and there's the white outline. Yeah, negative. There's a moment when you finally emerge from the portal. And where you are is quite literally a little section of a hill. There's a tree in front of you. And you see all four of the Fright Knots. They look like they're getting their gear together. Swine has this large, almost resembles a baseball bat, but at the end there's uh, some type of metal, 
it looks like a giant mace with crumbled together spikes that look like it's just metal destroyed and then crushed and then spiked up right at the end of it. Wick looks at you and he says, Okay, so you've shown up. That's half of the battle right there. Do you wish to know the plan then? Go ahead, yeah. Let's let's fill me in. What what are we doing? He turns your attention towards the valley, and in the valley there's a big set of huts. There's a village, you can tell. There's a lot of them, all surrounding this place. There's fences surrounding it too, almost like farmland. There's not a lot of people outside, you can tell. This is at night. You have just shown up at night. The lights in the huts are on. There's candles lit all throughout it. It's almost bordering on city, this collection of villages here. They're all nestled together. But Wick turns to you and he says, What do you know of sickness, Howland? (laughs) I just look at him. I put my arm around him. And I say, brother, sickness is my middle name. (laughs) This village is sick. It's our job to put a stop to it. There's a plague. We don't know where it came from. We don't know what happened. But they will spread it. Our mission tonight, Howland, is to go in, destroy Patient Zero, and then eradicate the town. I suppose the needs of the many do outweigh the needs of the few. And it just sounds like fun, so, uh... Dare I even need to say it? I'm in. (laughs) Howland's in, so am I! Since you are the new one, we've figured to give you the honor. You will be the one to destroy Patient Zero. I just look at him and I'm like, but of course. We should do this sneakily at first. Once inside, let's raise some hell. (laughs) Yes, let's raise some hell! (gasps) Every time! Every time he speaks, it's agony. Wither speaks again, and he looks at you directly, and he says, Don't forget your mask, because if you get this disease as well, we might have to put you down. <laughs> certainly hope it doesn't come to that, as Howland is just thinking in his mind, like, Motherfucker, I wish you would. <laughs> so Howland puts on his mask, puts up his hood, and we're sneaking. Oh boy, we sneaking. We're going to work together on this, you and I. No rolls, because I want to create a good scene. What happens? Howland and Wick are in one squad here. The other two, Sicko, and somehow the guy with no legs, is by one house, Swine is by another house. So right now we're coming up on the side and we've got like three houses. I just imagine we're all looking at each other and I hold up my hand. It's like I'm raising my hand, but Howland closes it and makes a fist. And when Howland does that, Swine breaks through the door, goes into the house, and it's an uproar. Little goblin boy, the other dude with no legs, bust into their house, and then me and Wick bust into our house. We just start absolutely slaughtering. 
The camera whips around the village as there's screams of anguish and then blood splatters. We cut to Swine, who demolishes three people with a swing of whatever they're holding in their hand. A club is the easiest way I can describe it. Sickos jumping from bed to bed, scaring children. (laughs) They're freaking out. And then we cut to Wither. He's just holding the legs of somebody off of the roof as they drop off and you hear a splat. What are you doing, Howland? Looking around as most of the buildings are on fire at this point, Howland sees two sickly people, Guy and his wife, in the corner. Howland looks over, Wick sees two other people across the room in the same house, and Wick starts going to town on him, doing whatever he does. Howland looks at his two, takes acid splash in his hand and forms it into that blade. With one slice, decapitates both of them with a smirk going all the way across his face. You actually see Wick in the corner. He's kind of eyeing you. He's looking at you as he's holding the head of a city guard who's also very sickly. You see a rash all over their head, all over their body. They look very weak, and he just crushes their head in his hands as he continues through the house. I put my hand on Wick's shoulder, and I look at him, and I'm just like, Wick, that's a ten. (laughs) That's a ten. You can't see his face, but the way that the lens moves, you can tell that he's smiling. And then there's a cut as the camera whips around and sees you guys jumping from house to house. As you're all jumping from house to house, you see Wither as he's crawling on the ground and then pushing himself up by the hands as the wheels bounce off of the house. Sicko jumps into a chimney and you hear a roar of screams as he's just laughing maniacally. And then we see Swine, who jumps and then dives into the ceiling of a house. Wither grabs hold of a tree as he swings himself into a window. And then Wick, as he's jumping from house to house with you, and he looks at you and he says, We're all having fun right now, but don't forget patient zero. But of course. His fingertips glow purple, and he snaps his finger. A rat, almost putrid plague rat, scurries out from under the floorboards and Howland picks it up with his glove looks at the rat and he says find me patient zero and Howland gently puts the rat down as it scurries away to find it by the way I want to try something with this it's an experiment I'll gladly roll for it but there's something I want to try with my poison wind flask okay spoiler alert I might try to harness the disease of this town I will say you can do that once you find Patient Zero. That's fair. You'll roll for it, is what I'm saying. But, can you roll Perception for me? 21! As you are going on this tirade of destruction and decimating the populace of this village, it kind of clicks to you. You don't know what this disease is. You don't know where it came from. You think that Wick doesn't even know where it came from or what it is. But I think that's a question that sits in your mind of where did a random disease come out of nowhere and pop up in a random village without spreading it? That's just a question you have to yourself. Continue, what are you doing? Howland is going through another house at this point as he just sees an entire family of sickly people, flies on top of the building, with mage hand, punches through the roof, crumbling the roof on top of them. And just for good measure, while he's, again, got a smile going ear to ear, he conjures up Acid Splash and absolutely douses that house in acid, as if crumbling the entire building on top of the family wasn't enough. 
As that's happening, there's flames pouring over parts of the villages, and it's lighting up this area. I think you're pleased with yourself, but then you see your rat scurry up towards you, and he scurries up your pant leg, onto your hip, onto your ribs, onto your arm, and then finally your shoulders, as he just chirps into your ear. You know where patient zero is. Hmm. I look at the rat and I say, well done. As I put it down and continue to float to where Patient Zero is waiting. There's a shot of a door. Howland, you open the door, and there's a shot of you walking in. It's actually a, not a super large house. It's got two floors. On the first floor, you're looking around. No one seems to be there. There's actually a pot on the stove. It's empty but there's steam coming off of it. You just noticed the staircase. Hmm. We're going to walk up the staircase? Float up, I should say. As you float up the staircase, your rat told you exactly where Patient Zero was in this house. And as you're walking up the staircase, there's a creak, creak, creak as you walk upstairs. And you see on the ground a person sitting there covered in rashes, Mustache and beard combo, their eyes glazed over, staring up at the ceiling. I want to look at it. Like, what exactly is it? The person? Yeah. What race is it? How old are they? What am I looking at here? They look like they're in their 40s. Human. Male. I'm going to say I float a little bit closer to him, and I'm just going to put my hands together and start clapping like, Well, 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 you are patient zero, I would presume, given the... Extent of the rashes and cysts, I have been absolutely dying to meet you. To be honest, probably heard what's going on outside. I mean, we wouldn't really be here without you. So, how do you do? They don't say anything. Hmm, not the talkative type, I see. Well, let's see if we can fix that. And I want to pull out my wand and use Charmed Person on him. Pull out your wand, and you try using Charmed Person. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. There's only a few reasons why that would happen. Yeah. One of them being it will not work on a dead person. Yep. I'm just sitting there. Howland doesn't realize he's dead yet, and he's just like, Hello! I'm monologuing here! Not even gonna give me a reaction? You prick? <laughs> Alright, dude, I've had enough of this! Howland's gonna grab him with Mage Hand, and as soon as Howland grabs him, he's just like, Oh, <laughs> I get it. Howland's gonna look around to make sure nobody's looking, and he has this dead patient zero, and he's like, You thought my monologuing was really cool, right? And Howland takes, he takes his hand and moves the guy's mouth, and he's like, Yeah, Howland, your monologuing <laughs> was really cool. <laughs> and he's like, Thanks, bud. As you're doing that, you notice two things. One, your rat comes on your shoulders and he chirps in your ear again. That's not, that's not the worm. That's not the guy. The second thing you notice after the rat tells you, like, that's not the guy, you notice that there's a stab and a cut on the throat of the person. And then you look around and you see a child underneath the bed. I see. <sighs> a little one. Well, 
Unfortunately, you're only worth about five points, and that's tough. I'm gonna drop the dead guy here. I'm not even gonna drop him, I'm gonna just toss him out the fucking window like a beanbag. He's coughing, he's holding a plate, and he's like covering it, and he's trying to move backwards towards the wall. I didn't mean- I didn't mean to hurt him, I was just hungry. He's gonna stop floating, and Howland is gonna put up his hand, and he's gonna say, Come here. It's alright. You don't have to be scared. I am here to help. And Howland is gonna reach out his gloved hand. At first, he, he's like hesitant, but then he comes closer to you, and he's crying. He's got tears in his eyes. As he's moving towards you, he says, I just, he wouldn't give me any food. I was so hungry. I was just so hungry. <laughs> I'm going to say Howland is basically cradling this kid to him, like a baby almost. And Howland's like, yeah. I mean, he certainly looked like an asshole, if I'm being honest. And Howland is going to float on the roof with this kid. Just, like, hold him. And Howland's like, I want you to start really slow, and I want you to tell me, how exactly did all this happen? How did you get sick? I... <sighs> and there's a moment while you're watching him, and in the audience's perspective, not Howland's, the scene shifts to everything that he's talking about in, like, a haze of his own imagination. I was... I was outside in the park. My dad doesn't. My dad doesn't like to see me when he gets home from his friend's house. So I go and I hang out in the woods. And I usually that's fine. I can find squirrels and berries and I can eat there. One day, I met this guy and he gave me a piece of cake. I, I didn't know his name, but he just let me call him John. He followed me back to the village. He smelled... But he was really nice to me. After that, I got really sick. And all my friends started getting sick. And my neighbors, and then my dad. <laughs> I'm so hungry. Now Linda's just gonna sit there and he's like, shh, 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 shh. Don't worry. I mean,. You've been through quite a lot, and I can certainly see that, but I am here to help, and luckily, I do have a cure, but before I give you that cure, I'm gonna need you to tell me, what did John look like, and why did he want to come to the village with you? He said he just wanted to be my friend. He glowed. He wouldn't let me touch him because parts of his body would just fall off. Well, unfortunately, it sounds like you've been tricked by maybe a leper. Not too sure, though. But you have upheld your end of our little bargain here, so I will uphold mine. But before I give you this cure, I want you to look around. Look around this big hovel now. Used to be a town. And understand that the world, it's not an inherently good place. It can be bad, it can be good, but usually it just settles in a gray area almost. That's what the world is. 
It's a very, very gray place. And unfortunately, that's a lesson that we all have to learn. Fortunately, your entire village has succumbed to this plague. And now they're all dead. But by cleansing this village, sterilizing it almost, we are saving countless others from this sickness. So I suppose you could say this settles in a very gray area. Like so many things, the world doesn't have to be fair. It doesn't have to be your friend. And sometimes, we just get dealt very, very shitty cards. But today is your lucky day. Because I am here to save you. And when Howland says that, he wipes the tears off the kid's head, and Howland snaps his neck. And Howland is just looking down at this kid's now dead body. But instead of feeling completely good about it, Howland is smiling, and he looks at this kid's dead body, and a tear comes out of one eye, which Howland really, really isn't expecting. And Howland looks around, almost confused, and looks at the kid again. He's not really sad, but he's not happy either. He's very, like, hmm, very slumped about the entire thing. But he quickly wipes away the tear, and he tosses the kid's body on what, at this point, is basically a mound of bodies that's been assembled in the middle of the town. As you do that, I say you're on the roof still. Let's say you hop down off of it. And as you hop down off of it, you hear a voice. It doesn't sound familiar, but there's this weird gravel. Like, like he's got a mouthful of beads. And he says, Oh. Just killed a kid. That easy, is it? Didn't expect that. Man, I did not expect that. Interesting, though. And which one is that? It's not anyone that you recognize. Sweet. Do you turn around towards it? Yes. You turn around towards this voice, and in the doorway of the house that you just jumped off of is this glowing figure. It looks like part of their face is skinless. The skull is just shown under the skin, and the other parts of his body are covered in rashes and welts and cysts. And there's a glow to him that's not from any light or magic. It seems like it's a glow of radiation. <coughs> I thought for sure this thing couldn't have been stopped. Well, you killed the kid, so you'll destroy this village, I suppose. You might go on to think that you've won, you've stopped something, but next time, it'll be worse. There will be more, and I will still be there. As he says that, Howland snatches him with Mage Hand and brings him about a foot away from his face. Roll Constitution saving throw. 
On 11, as soon as you try grabbing him with Mage Hand and pulling him closer, the second you pull him closer, you feel like a stinging, like your body is repulsed, like there's this weird haze in your brain, like a magnet being brought closer to a computer where you are a computer. Shit. So I'm going to immediately let go of him and back up a couple feet, and Howland is just going to say, <laughs> And I presume that you must be John. I'm known as many things. You may call me John, if you wish. The little boy did. He sure liked me. <sighs> Why don't you indulge me for a minute and kind of fill me in on your whole supervillain plan here, if you don't mind? I'm not a villain. I'm just inevitable. I'm... I'm just what everything happens. You get sick, and you die, and things keep spinning in the world, and I am always there. My dear boy, Howland, is that your name? I believe you know very well that it is. You may call me John. You may call me many things. People always find ways to call me what they think I am. Plague, disease, contagion, infection. I don't care. Call me what you like. I was gonna call you an asshole. If I'm being completely honest. Uh, in the background you just hear. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. And Howland is just like, oh my god, like, what the fuck even is this guy? Like, just don't even get it. I want to try to study this guy and see if there's a weakness I can find here. I'm going to try to investigate him. Investigation. No. No. You know what? I'm going to give you a point of inspiration because you've, you've done a lot of really cool things today. So I'll give you a point of inspiration if you want to use that one. Hell yeah. I'm not used to then just mark that you have a point of inspiration. The closest thing I'll give you on uh, a weakness or anything is that this doesn't seem to be his body. It looks like it must have been just one of the victims of the disease. Looks like he's probably just possessing them. So it's just a vessel? At this point, it looks like that. Helen's going to basically bite his lip and say, This isn't your real body, is it, John? Buddy? Well, aren't you observant? No, it isn't. If it was, you wouldn't be standing straight. So I'd be sitting on you? Maybe that might be perhaps. <laughs> You're weird. You're weird. I'm very sick indeed. I'll give you this howland I do the courtesy of introducing myself to you. You may have stopped what has happened today, but it isn't personal. This will happen again, and again, and again. And as he says that, the body melts into ash, the skin crawls everywhere, and the glow that you saw on him phases into the light of the moon above you, and the wind takes it. Oof. 
Woof. I'm going to float and reconvene with everybody in the middle of the town while all the houses are still on fire. And I'm just going to put my arms, cross my arms, and just say, nobody saw that, did they? So, so what? <laughs> I saw, I heard you say something funny. <laughs> right. Well, as it would turn out, this kid wasn't really patient zero. This, as Howland is just looking around into the sky... Howland is like, this is part of something far, far bigger. What do you mean? As Howland kind of has his back turned. I think what we're dealing with right now is a lord of death. From that thing that I saw on the roof, it looks like... <laughs> it almost looked like an incarnation of the absolute personification of pestilence. Disease taken physical form. Whatever this is, this is gonna happen again. This is gonna happen many, many times, and whatever we're dealing with is beyond human levels. We are dealing with some serious dark magic. Dark magic that I haven't seen since... <laughs> since I was much younger. There's a sigh from Swine. She actually places a large hand on your shoulder. Wither told you that she doesn't talk much. Just the fact that she placed her hand on your shoulder means something. It just means, in her way, that she's there. Well, as Howland looks around, at any rate, <sighs> there's no use in wasting these bodies. And we do need to get rid of everything here, so I have an idea. Cut to whatever you're doing. Everybody that we can possibly find is in a pile, and Lizzie, or not Lizzie. Oh. I feel like she's Lizzie. I always get her confused with Lizzie. It does seem like there's a weird symbolism be between this squad and the last squad you had, huh? No. It certainly does. Anyway, continue, sorry. Foreshadowing. <laughs> But I'm having Swine dig a massive hole in the ground in front of the pile. Who is the magic user in the squad besides me? Like, can any of them really do magic? It's Wither. As Liz... <laughs> As Swine is digging this hole, I look at everybody and I say, I've got an idea, and you're gonna have to bear with me here. Wither, do you know the incantation to draw out poison? He stops for a second, thinking about it, and then all of a sudden in his hands, almost like a full metal alchemist rune appears in this misty red. Just appears. Obviously, yes. Okay. I'm going to need you to draw out the poison from all of these bodies and the blood into the hole that Swine just dug. Can you do that for me? Of course. As he starts waving his hands across the bodies, you see the poison and the blood get separated from them, and you see all the bodies dry up instantly like an orange in the sun. And he pours it into the hole. This point, I am going to pull out my book with one hand and read through some of the old incantations in there about siphoning magic from something. 
His book is basically a catalog of all the magic he learned at the Knight's Congregation while being there, so it's it's got a bit of everything. At least anything dark magic related, it's basically in that book. Only the most esoteric spells wouldn't be known to Howland in this book. So Howland is going to start doing an incantation with the book. He's going to start reading off an incantation. He's going to open up his poison wind bottle and put that on the ground. Howland is going to use his wand to direct this miasma of blood and poison and all of the disease that was cultivated in this town over the course of however long they were infected. And Howland is going to funnel this into his bottle of poison wind. This one, roll an arcana. Pop. Oof, that, oh, a 24. Damn. Okay. I'm gonna be honest, I was gonna use my point of inspiration on it, but I'm happy I didn't have to. I bet you were in this weird black fog from inside of this blood and the poison. It vortexes into the bottle as Sicko start clapping. <laughs> it worked! It worked! <laughs> yeah! Fun time! Fun time! Once all of the disease and sickness has been funneled into Howland's bottle of poison wind, Howland is going to immediately cap it. Howland is going to put a charm on the bottle. I would imagine he's going to do a chant to keep the poison and disease in long enough to essentially merge with the poison wind inside. I'm imagining if Howland didn't do that, it would be too much, and the bottle would basically explode before the poison could meld. Yes. We're also going to have to talk for a long while about what exactly this is going to do to my bottle of poison wind, because I can't remember what the stats were on that exactly. It 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 was a lot. We'll we'll talk about it. Picture the uh the last round of Apex the Storm. The last round of Apex? Yeah, the storm, how powerful it is. Oh, okay. After you do that, Wick steps forward and he says, "So what will we do about the bodies in this village? Do you have any ideas?" As a matter of fact, young Wick, I do. As you can see, the bodies have gone from lump, ample sacks of meat juice to little more than kindling paper, actually, as Howland takes one of the dried-out little arms and just, like, waves it a little bit. <laughs> like Ramsey Bolton with the sausage. <laughs> so as you can see, these bodies are now highly flammable, and the massive hole that Swine dug is now empty. I think we all know what we should do here. It has worked out pretty perfectly thus far. Lizzie, swine, if you wouldn't mind. I like to think that that's in-game as well. I like to yeah. think about that a lot. I like that a lot. Yeah. But swine turns towards you. Swine, would you kindly? And I'm imagining she takes her weapon, she puts it out in front of her, and pushes everything, all the bodies into the hole she dug, like a bulldozer. Not even two trips, just, like, pushes them in. Now, what exactly, out of game, what exactly is Wick's forte? Because obviously, Swine is the strong one, Wither is the magic guy. What a sicko, what a sicko, tell me that. 
I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, and I don't want to ask. I don't want to ask what Seko is. Seko's the crazy one. Uh, what he's shown, he hasn't shown his skills. I'm not even going to make you roll for it, but like in your own mind, he's probably got an ace in his sleeves. He's smart. He's very smart. He's got things to do and things to say, but he always is observing. He's got strengths. He just hasn't shown you. You'd assume because he doesn't want to show someone he doesn't trust yet. Now that the bodies are in the hole, and now that the houses are all smoldering ruins, Howland is going to just put his hands out and go, Okay, now, does anyone know any kind of fire spells or fire incantations? Wither starts moving his hands in a row. I think you should step back for this one. <laughs> Agreed. As Howland just floats back. And Wither, from both of his hands, he puts out one rune in one hand and one rune in the next. And you guys see as a blast of fire just appears out of it, shining onto the village. And he starts wheeling around the village, just burning everything. And I'm imagining that when Howland leapt back, he floated onto the branch of a dead tree ten feet from the fire pit. So Howland is just sitting, watching this from the branch of a dead tree in the moonlight while the fire is just illuminating in front of him. As Wither blasts the entire village with these misty red flames out of his hands onto it, he casts a fireball into the center of the village, absolutely cascading the entire wood and any structures that were built in the village. They're all on fire, and you can see they are quickly becoming ash as Wither, Swine, Sicko, and Wick make their way towards you. And we still see you in the tree, Howland, as it starts to rain. And you're holding on to one of the branches of the bark of the dead tree. And then you look at your hand, but you think about the tree, and you think about the disease. And as you think about it, I think you just wipe off the tree bark onto the dead tree as the camera shines up towards the moon. Well done. We've got something else to do. Is there anything you want to say? Well, what is that something that we have to do? Out of game. Don't worry. We cut back to the castle. To set the scene, we're all coming through the portal and everybody is soaking wet. Who is there? Is Magwell there or... Magwell is there. Like I mentioned earlier, she has not said anything. She doesn't really talk to the Fright Knots. Uh, it's unusual for her to be quiet. So you chalk this up to her being just like, ah, I'm not going to talk to them. They're no fun, you know? But Magwell is there. As we're coming through, I imagine Howland is in the back. As Howland, he's going to say, Hey guys, I'll catch up with you later. I got to do something real quick. Wick looks at you. He just nods, heads off. Swine pats you on the shoulder twice. Wither gives you a nod as he takes off the mask and wheels away 
It's just a squeaky wheels as they go by, and then Sicko jumps up and down looking and goes, Ha <laughs> uh, it was a good time to see you, Owlet. I hope we have more missions in the future. Mm. We're gonna have to do something about Sicko, I swear to God. <laughs> I'm getting a muzzle <laughs> on this dude, and I'm not joking. <laughs> he runs away on all fours. Oh, Jesus Christ. So, I'm going to float up to Magwell, and I'm going to ask Magwell, where is Aldenreich? Oh, hello, dearie. Um, Aldenreich is in his office, of course. I need you to bring me to Aldenreich's office. I need to talk to both of you immediately. We cut to Aldenreich's office as Magwell enters with you in tow. The door is gone. Aldenreich still hasn't repaired it from last time you broke it open. He is sitting there. It looks like it's the middle of the night, but he apparently has not left his office yet. Howland is going to sit down at Magwell's desk. At this point, I imagine Aldenreich and Magwell are sitting, like, next to each other. Howland is sitting there at the desk on the other side. Are there even pieces of the door left? Yeah, there's some pieces laying around. But not enough to repair it? No, not completely. Tough. All right, that's fine. Howland is going to sit there, and he's got his arms on the desk, and he's got, like, a... You know how you sit there, and you put your arms on the desk, and you've got, like, your hands together, so to speak? You've got your fingers locked, almost? So Howland is sitting at the desk like that. Howland is going to look at both of them and say, um... These missions that you send the Fright Knots on to clean up sickness and outbreaks how many of these missions have you sent them on he sighs and Aldenreich says they're not always just to clean up or stop these outbreaks it's more for doing as i said before unspeakable things that need to be done things i would not like to know and things i would like to wash my hands of i'm aware but as for the outbreaks, this probably should be the third. How soon have these outbreaks been happening? Third time this year, and uh, the year started five months ago, so three times in five months. <sighs> have you ever talked to uh, the Fright Knots about these, these outbreaks? Have they ever said anything to either of you? No. They don't seem to be the talkative types, as you know, Howland. And as for me, I I don't get the information of where these outbreaks come from. The missions come from the Fountain of Journeys. I don't know if Elijah or myself have shown you, but the missions that come through come through in the would-be throne room of the castle. They show up in the Fountain of Journeys. News and information that is out in the world where our agents become aware of it, send it through the fountain. And we have agents who interpret it, and then I give it to the squads who I think would be fit for those missions. I see. Okay, out of game. The thing that I saw, what would that be? Is that, like, how would I even... Describe it? Well, how would I classify that? Are we dealing with, like, a god-type being? Are we dealing with, like, a demon? Is it 
I think personally, the way that you described it to the Fright Knots would have been the best way that you describe it in general. Because out of game, like you can roll an investigation, but I can't tell you straight up what that is because I don't think Howland's ever seen something like that. Yeah, well, that's what I'm asking, because I'm trying to see if they have ever seen anything like that, and I'm trying to figure out how to, like, how to break down what that was. I think the way that you can describe it is just the way that you described it earlier, but just, like, less wordy. When we were on this mission, we cleansed the entire town. It's all been sterilized, as you asked. But this plague didn't just happen. This didn't just come out of nowhere. This was premeditated, planned, and all of these outbreaks, I'm willing to bet, are connected. When I was on this mission, I talked to Patient Zero before they had to be sterilized, and Patient Zero told me about a man who essentially came to the village under the guise of a harmless traveler, and once this man came to the village, everyone started to get sick. Everything started to die, plants, trees started to wither by the looks of it. No birds for miles, no animals anywhere near. The water, even, was turned almost black. And there was almost this sickly mold growing on the houses, this almost glowing green mold. Unlike almost anything that I've ever seen. Then... I met this traveler. The patient only referred to him as John, as that's what he said his name was. But whatever this thing was, it was almost the personification of pestilence. I tried to grab him with my mage hand, and from just touching it with my mage hand, it felt like my arm was going to come off of my body. It felt like my nerves, everything attached to that arm was melting. And that is from Mage Hand, which out of game, that's gotta be... Insane. Like, that's... Insane. <laughs> yeah, like, that's, that's fucking ridiculous. Like, you're not supposed to be able to feel with Mage Hand like it's just magic. To be strong enough that it can literally poison your magic, like... By God. When you are describing this, I think you continue talking, but Magwell and Aldenreich share a look that you recognize as understanding. Like, ah, fuck. Yep. Magwell, she starts talking, and she says, I... I told you, Aldi. I told you. And she faces through the wall, and she pops her head back in, and she says, just give me a minute. I'll be right back, okay? And then she disappears for a second, leaving you alone with Alden Reich, who sighs, and he goes to a cabinet, and he grabs a wine bottle, and he pours himself a glass, and he offers you a glass. Do you take it? Yeah. He pours you a glass, and then he pours himself a little bit more in the glass than you would expect. He just, he pours a little bit more in the glass, and he's just like, you see him have a look of just like, fuck it, and he just starts chugging the bottle a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> just starts chugging from the bottle, just pouring it into his mouth before he puts it away, then sits down with his drink, he, and Howland's just like, yeah, right? Howland, we have not gotten along very well, 
after you attacked me, and at that moment I understand I was angry, I was out of line for what I said. So I did not punish you. So I hope we can handle what I'm about to say as mature adults. Mm-hmm. The royals, the members you were supposed to go save in Handsome, they went to Handsome to put down a gate seed because they knew of a village not far from there that were cursed with that disease. Another village that the Fright Knots had to vanquish. Something that hurts me and pains me to say. Alphonse and the crew were there because they were trying to keep down another plague from spreading. And I know it's just another thing you don't know about your mission to Handsome, but it was on a need-to-know basis. We have seen this thing before. A long, long time ago. (sighs) Back before. And you don't know this, Howland, so excuse me if I ramble, but back before the squads you know today... And back to the squads of my day, to the Coral Castle when it was in his heyday. And he gets really distant look in his eyes as he takes another shot of that whiskey. <laughs> there was a man. We didn't know who he was. And we decided that it was okay to take him in. We were wrong. He was not a weary traveler. And thank God it wasn't brought into the Coral Castle, but Magwell and I, we had our own squad to deal with. I was the leader of a squad. I don't want to get too emotionally invested, so I'm just going to say the details that matter. My teammates and I were diseased by something we could not stop. And eventually, I thought I was going to die. I was pretty okay with it. Until something happened. (sighs) He just left. We don't know why. We don't know what happened, but the next day after he had diseased and beaten us down and tried to start some type of a plague, he just disappeared. Vanished. And this had to be fifty-odd years ago. I cannot say for certain what happened to him, but now he's back, Howland. And... And I don't know what to do about that. All I know is that we should be on guard, if what you say is true. And then he takes another shot. So, out of game, they basically met this dude 50 years ago. They didn't let him into the Coral Castle. No. And how how was he around them then? Were they out doing shit? Were they... They were out on a mission. Apparently they rescued him from something, and he joined them for a few days. Alden Reich says all of this, obviously. He joined them for a few days, and then he beat them down. After they got diseased and sick, he basically kept them as playthings for a long time. At the very last moment when Alden Reich thought he was going to die, the thing just vanished. Did it kill his squad mates, or did everybody survive? It just... Everyone survived. Hmm... Mysterious stranger shows up, causes plagues, and then leaves. What do we have at this castle that can fight that? Do we have anything that can cancel disease? Anything that can scrub away the magic? 
we did. Back before our entire system was decimated by the incident, we had several things that we could have used. Disease, vaccines, things that we had in place, and since then the knowledge has been lost. We are not as vulnerable as we should be, but we are still vulnerable. Do you understand, Howland? He called himself John, and that's exactly what he called himself all those years ago. Whatever we're dealing with, I don't think it's human. And I don't think so, either. So basically, the tools that we need to even attempt to sterilize John, we don't have, because they've been lost to time. What kind of tools are these? Are we talking spells? Are we talking items? Books? Armor? Sword? Bottle? It was a book. A book filled with lots of spells that were simply for healing, Howland. I know you're not very in the ways of protecting or healing people, but it was a book filled to the brim with healing magic. Good protection. It was... It was written by someone I respect dearly, but it was lost. Do we have any idea where this book may or may not be? He finishes his drink, and he goes behind the cabinet, and he takes out a scroll, and he flicks it, and it unravels, and he puts it onto his table. I don't like to go into detail about the incident of what happened, but here, and he points to Falcon Tomb on the map. And you, Howland, you know Falcon Tomb was the capital city of the humans before they were decimated by the Genasi. That was the incident. And Alden Wright continues and he says, this is where it happened. The incident. We were supposed to join and help. We were supposed to stop the Genasi from killing the humans and taking control of their government. But we were ambushed. And the person's book died there as well. So if it is anywhere, it might be in Falcon Tomb. Who knows? But, Howland, there are three places in this world that we cannot go at the moment. Three places that we are not ready to go into. There is Espero, the Genasi capital. There is Ormanu. And there is Falcon Tomb all upheld by the Genasi and their super weapon that is so secret that has been a plague in my asernum. You just basically pulled the the secret weapon that is so <laughs> secret. Oh, well, what is it? I dare not speak it. <laughs> so secret, I dare not speak of it. What is it? I dare not speak it. <laughs> it's basically what you just said to me. Well, he doesn't know what it is. I know what it is, but uh, he doesn't know what it is. <laughs> I know what it is, and I ain't telling you. Get for Magwell phases through the ceiling. She puts down a drawing on the table, and she says, This was us, Howland. And if you look at it, it's a non-ghost gnome Magwell, a very young Aldenreich, and three other people. It doesn't matter what the other three people look like, but one of the characters is this blonde high elf holding a book in their hands, 
and Magwell points to the book and says, That was the book that we needed. On the book is something that looks a little familiar to you. It's very weird, Howland, and I think when I say this, this should be the end of this scene. And when you look at this symbol on the book, Howland, you recognize it as a knight's congregation rune. Well, well, he's the big meme, yeah. Do you want to ask me your questions? Because there is one more thing we have to get to. There's a, this is going to be the longest fucking edit of my life, my dude, but continue. Hell yeah. I was going to say, how, how does the army of Xander connect with the human kingdom or whatnot? Like, how, how is that connected? So out of game, I'm going to say, like, you talk to Magwell and Aldenreich about this, but the connection with them is that they went there because they were trying to help Falcon Tomb. Because during the war, they were trying to create independence for all. Their whole motto is, like, no kings. We don't want to be governed by people who don't understand where we are. It's, like, just a form of independence. They want to be able to form lives without tyranny and people telling them what to do all the time. And Falcon Tomb was under attack. The only people that were able to stop the Genasi from moving on with their, basically their conquering of the world was Falcon Tomb. And if Falcon Tomb dropped, that yeah, was game over. And that's what happened. And also out of game, the area of Falcon Tomb. So it used to be the human capital. And then it got absolutely rolled by the Genasi. When I imagine it, I think of like a ruined kingdom sort of thing. When I, when I think of it, it, it almost sounds like old Valyria in Game of Thrones. Is it like that, or is it like a Genasi-controlled thing? They've took it over. Like, it's run down right now, but the Genasi control it. There's run down shit, but the Genasi is there. That's what Elden Reich said, that... We cannot go to three places in the world, otherwise we're going to get our ass kicked. Espero, Ormanu, and Falcon Tomb. I've also got another thing with this world, because it, it seems like the Genasi are basically like the superpower. Mm -hmm. How are humans in your world, because I actually really like the idea that humans are not, maybe not a rarity, but that humans are like a very, like they're a minority of the world. Like it's... I've explained this to before, not in game, I guess, so I can put it here. Humans are basically, they're, they're looked at almost like rats. They have no government. They have no places that are specifically human. The capital is gone. Their worldview is gone, which is why we have bandits like the Buzzards, the Orioles, the Sin Sisters who took over Morosil. Like, humans have basically become criminals. They've been decentralized. And it's, it's like, it's like Rome. It's literally like the fall of Rome and we're in the Dark Ages right now. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Okay. So, it's been a long day for Howland. He's done things. Some of them very fun for him, I guess. But a lot of things have made him feel a lot of different emotions. And I'm not sure where he is emotionally at this moment. I don't think he's good with everything that's happened. Definitely not. But you go into your room, you lay down, and I think you just pass out immediately. And the camera fades to black.
And then we wake back up again in the point of view of Howland as he's coming to. And we see the Yeti dead. And we see the girl on the ground still passed out, breathing heavily. What, uh, what's going on? I'm going to imagine Howland gets up, wipes some of the blood off of his head and his mouth. I'm gonna say he looks around, and there's probably just a couple pieces of wood and rock scattered in here. You actually hear Malik inside your head. You guys have that rune that you've put on Rib in the future. And he just says, Howland, he heard the cavern shake. I'm doing my best to move the rocks, but... Me and the dead Yeti, we are moving the rocks, but it's going to take a few moments. Be careful with that girl in there, and enter quickly. Malik can just sense emotion. It's like a Darth Sidious thing right now. Like, Malik can just feel that Howland's emotions are really deeply twisted right now. The way Howland feels about this girl is... Quite frankly, the way he hasn't felt about any other person, like, besides Malik, it's like Malik can feel that Howland doesn't want to kill her, and I'm imagining that Malik doesn't say anything about it, but I think Malik knows how Howland feels right now. Yeah. He says, Just give me a moment and hell, take a moment to yourself, you know? And then he stops talking. Howland is going to start a makeshift fire. He's going to notice that this girl is having a really hard time breathing because, you know, <laughs> ah, whoops-a-daisy, crushed her lungs. But, oh god, Howland just, he's gonna put his hand on his head and just rub his temple like, I cannot believe I'm about to do this. Howland is going to put her by the fire about two feet from it, and he's going to take off his cloak and lay her down on his cloak. Once she's on his cloak, he's going to lift up her shirt just a bit so he can see her ribs, and he's going to see, like, that it's, oh, it's bruised. It's really bad. It's black, it's purple, her ribs are just really not doing great, and Howland can quite literally hear her struggling to breathe. So, while her shirt's up like that a little bit, Howland is going to cut open the Yeti's throat, and Howland's not sure if it's going to work. It's a spell that he's only dabbled with maybe once or twice in his life, but he's going to take the Yeti's blood and almost make it flow like water. He is going to put his hand on this girl's ribs, And the blood from the Yeti is going to flow into her open wounds on her skin. Howland is basically turning this blood into healing. The blood is going to, at the very least, heal her ribs so she can actually breathe. But I don't think it can do much more than that. Let's see. Roll Arcana. Pop. A 23. Jesus Christ. Yes. You see the bruise lessen so... And you actually hear her breathing get better. It's more paced and steady and not erratic. Howland is going to... (laughs) He's going to take one of the Yeti's arms, and he's going to basically skin it, you know, cut off the hand. (laughs) And 
He's gonna make a little pick, and he's gonna basically rotisserie-style roast this Yeti's arm on the fire. <laughs> I like that a lot. As you're doing that, like, ten minutes goes by. Also, take note, this is one of the only times that Howland is without his robe. Hallmark moment. There's, like, uh, ten minutes, fifteen minutes, twenty minutes that go by, and eventually the girl stirs. She looks back at you. She's scared for a moment. She juts back with her hands outstretched towards you and then looks at the Yeti and then looks back at you and then she shivers. She's cold and she sees the fire, but she's hesitant. Howland is going to look at her kind of shivering almost for lack of a better word. And he's going to lean his head back a little bit like, uh, but he's going to say, you can get closer to the fire. I don't bite. At least, not like him, as I look at the fucking Yeti with its mouth still hanging open. She takes a minute, two minutes, and then seeing how cold it is, she gets close to the fire and tries to warm up very heavily. You can see that she's wearing, she's kind of drenched in sweat. It looks like she's been using this for a while on the run with her dad, it would seem, but she's getting warmer. She goes, are you going to kill me? Howland takes a deep breath and puts his head down, and he says no. <sighs> no, I don't think that's part of the plan anymore. Truth is, I couldn't kill you even if I wanted to right now. And the reason for that, because you might not get it, the Knights Congregation live by almost this kind of social Darwinism, where it's just the strongest can survive, like that's it, like weak, die. The strongest people, the smartest people, are the only ones really fit to live. It's kind of like an apocalypse view. And this girl has basically shown herself to be incredibly strong and pretty resourceful, to be completely honest. So, abiding by the laws of the Knight's Congregation, Howland basically can't... At this point, Howland doesn't think he can kill her because she's proven herself to be really strong. I like that reasoning a lot. She says, So you're not gonna kill me? Then I have another question. Go ahead. We've certainly got time. Are you gonna eat that? <laughs> I'm imagining Howland looks at the massive Yeti arm that's like... It's like five feet and it's just... Nah, nah, baby, nah. <laughs> you're gonna eat that whole arm. Howland just looks at it and he's like... I probably couldn't eat all of it, so do have at it. She doesn't even hesitate. <laughs> Literally just, like, takes a chunk out of it with her teeth. She's eating. She looks starved. She's very hungry. After she takes a few more bites, she looks at you, and she says, So, why did you want to kill me then? <sighs> I always ask why. Why this? Why that? Why'd you do that? Why'd you burn my house down? Why did you kill my family? Ah, <sighs> if you want the honest truth... <clears throat> well, for once there actually was a little bit of a reason. My master didn't want you to be alive. No survivors. Cleanup duty is basically what I was tasked with. However, I do take great pride in my work. And killing, <laughs> it's fun, and it's easy. 
I absolutely relish every moment of it. And you... We're just supposed to be another kill. It's going to be fun, but you proved to be quite the thorn in my fucking side. And now, in accordance with the laws of my order, I cannot kill you at this moment, as you have proven yourself, so to speak. So, good for you. Lucky day, as Howlin just claps like that, but it's like a faint clap, like, eh, whatever. After he says that, Howland turns around, and he's just gonna start skinning the Yeti's back, taking the fur off of it. She looks at her hands, and she says, I, I didn't even know I could do that. Is that normal? For most humans, as Howland, again, he's got his back to her while he's skinning the hide off this Yeti for a blanket. For most humans, n no. But for magic users, yes. Which it looks like you are. And considering that, I'm assuming, nobody ever taught you how to do these things, that would make you like me. Which is to say, a sorcerer. A, a sorcerer? Yes. A sorcerer. You're a sorcerer? Saying that, Howland turns back to her. Yeah. Indeed I am. And starts flaying the Yeti again. There's a beat, and she says, What's your name, stranger? He just kind of sits there for a minute as he stops flaying this Yeti's hide. And he just sits there for a minute, and he's like, <sighs> My name is Howland. Okay. And that is all you need to know for now. Okay, Howlin. My name's... Rhea. I see. Uh, Rhea? What were you and your father doing out here anyways? If you don't mind me asking. Would have to be something pretty important to make my master come down here himself. She gets really cold, like she has a cold shoulder for a moment. She looks away from you. After the silence, she realizes you're not going to talk again, and she continues, and she says, My dad, he was making something. I don't know what. He was doing a lot of research on something. People came after him. I don't know what it was. He never told me. Our plan was to make it all the way across to some distant land. He probably wanted to go to Fables, because he talked about that all the time. I don't know. But... We got stopped by some yetis, and they tore apart the cabin, and they hit him, and I guess now he's dead. I don't know what he owes your master, but I, I, I hope I wasn't part of the deal. As Howland continues to just flay this yeti, he's like, doubtful. I don't imagine you would be. <sighs> and Howland just stops, slightly frustrated, and just, Isn't this wonderful? Nice little romantic evening. Got my Yeti. Got Yeti meat. Sitting here, soon to be on a Yeti sleeping bag. Man, this is just peachy. Thank you so much, by the way, for these rocks. <laughs> they really they really bring the room together. Very decorative. Thank you for that. <laughs> she laughs. Your input is it's very nice. Well warranted, thank you so much. She laughs a lot, and she says, Oh yeah, well, thank you for these bruised ribs. 
Yeah. Can thank me for undoing your bruised ribs. You did that? Yeah. I was obligated to save you, so don't think too much on it. She she takes a little nibble of the Yeti meat, and she goes, Where are you guys headed? And once my master and my undead Yeti servant finish clearing the rubble, I would imagine we'll be going back home. Where's back home? We'll be returning to Mist Fallfields. It's a place right by Preston. Bit snowy, but I always like the cold, so it works. So do I. I like the cold a lot. It's better than the summer. It's so hot you can't even take off your skin. You can't escape heat. If I'm cold, I can just eat meat. Or throw on a blanket. She gets closer to the fire, and she says, So, why were you out here with your master? My master being Malik, who I imagine you're going to be meeting fairly soon. Truth be told, he's probably the closest thing I have to a dad. Or a parental figure, period. I basically go with him everywhere. He mentors me, personally. So, just a habit to go on missions with him. He sounds like a cool guy. You know, when he's not killing. <laughs> yeah. As Howland just, like, feels his carterized fucking wound, just... Yeah, he sure is. <laughs> she kind of, like, lays down on the on the ground... And she's just watching you. And she says, Well, Howlin', for what it's worth, it was nice meeting you. Um, I hope, I hope you or your master don't kill me. As I said before, I can't. And I don't think he can either. Howland, I want to say, lifts up the book with the Knight's Congregation rules and everything like that, and he turns to the page and he floats it over to, uh, Rhea. And he says, you can read it right here. Yeah. One of the laws that explains that if somebody proves themselves worthy to a member of the Knight's Congregation, they're basically open to be taken in. If all members of the Knight's Congregation that are present decide to bring the person into the fold. She reads that, and she says, Take taken in mm -hmm. to the to the knight's congregation yep exactly is it a nice place i'd say so it's the closest thing i ever had to a home black marble everywhere always nice and cold stone stays cold which i like personally it's one big <laughs> happy family but, if you do plan on joining, you should know that once you're part of the Knight's Congregation, there's no way out. Once you're in, your soul and your body belong to the Congregation. You know, that's weird. Sometimes people would find that weird to say, but I kind of found that comforting. Is that weird? No. Not at all. So, if I join, I guess we're going to be friends, right? Howland just inhales deeply, like... 
and he's just kind of tapping on the ground with his finger. And he looks at her, and he says, yeah, would seem so. Would seem so. Well, Howland, if that's the case, I'm happy to do that. And since you're friends, m- my last name is Embers, which I, f- I find very funny, you know, with all the flames in front of my face here. I see that. Bit ironic. Mine's a bit funny as well. My whole name is Howland Rain, which is a bit ironic, given the absolute shitstorm that we got into coming here. It's funny. Oh, if you're gonna be part of the family, you're going to need one of these. And Howland lifts up his shirt that he's got on. He lifts up the sleeve, and you can see, like a magical brand for the Knight's Congregation on his shoulder. And he says, you're gonna need one of these. Where do I get one? (laughs) Howland stands up, and he cracks his fingers. He says, well, you would have to find somebody who would know the specific magical rune and how to make it. And luckily, as Howland turns around, kind of (laughs) grinning, you're talking to him. She's a little scared for a second. She pulls back her little cloak that she's wearing, and she shows the back of her shoulder, and she points to the left shoulder on her back, and she says, If if it hurts, don't tell me. I just, just, just do it. Howland is going to basically kneel behind her, and he's going to put one hand on her one shoulder. He's going to use acid splash to make a little scalpel, almost, on the tip of his finger, and he's going to say, This won't hurt one little bit and as he says that he's going to start carving the rune into the back of her shoulder (laughs) don't make fun of me sorry sorry my bad my bad you might want to bite down on this and he's gonna hand her a yeti bone she bites down all right Howland turns it up to 11, and once he's got the mark set into the shoulder, he puts his hand on it and imbues it with this magic that burns like a son of a bitch. It's the magic equivalent to being branded. Yep. It's painful. She's holding on for dear life. She's literally grabbing the ground, and she's biting down on the bone so hard that you can see that it's cracking where she's biting. But the whole time, she doesn't scream. She's focused. She wants this. As Howland is done, once again, he takes more blood from the Yeti. And at this point, I would imagine the Yeti's blood is ice cold, as it's been a couple hours. He coats the rune with this cold Yeti's blood to stop most of the pain. She relaxes, and she looks back at you. Not turning her back, but she just looks at you, side eyes, and she says, Well, how does it look? Howland just bites his lower lip and just says, It looks pretty fucking good. She laughs and she says, Don't swear. My dad would hate that. (laughs) Howland legitimately chuckles at that one and he's like, Well, your dad isn't quite here at the moment. 
And in this business, you're going to be doing a lot worse things than swearing. So if I were you, I would get used to using sentence enhancers. She laughs. She laughs a lot. And then she says, Hmm. Fuck. That's we that sounds weird. Yes. Kinda rolls off the tongue. You're a little bit confused, but you got it. <laughs> she giggles. I assume you chuckle to yourself. And we cut to later, when the final rock is displaced by the Yeti and Malik as they pull back the rocks, and we see the fire dwindling, and we see Rhea and Howland. Howland sporting the Yeti fur over him like a blanket, and and Rhea is also underneath the blanket with Howland. Malik seeing this, he chuckles to himself because you two are both asleep, but he looks at the an animated undead Yeti, and he says, How? What am I going to do with them? Then looks back at both of you. <laughs> I just imagine... I just imagine he looks at the Yeti and he's like, What am I going to do with these kids? And the Yeti's just like, ah! <laughs> I'm sentient! Ah! <laughs> just let me die! <laughs> As he says that, the camera is on Rhea and Howland as they're asleep, the fire dwindling, and Malik looking on. And then all of a sudden, a rock falls from the cavern and crushes their heads. Yeah? And you wake up, Howland. Howland, I'm imagining that one wakes up in like a cold sweat. Just wakes up like, Whoa! Whoa! Hey, it takes you a minute. You actually think that that was real. That Rhea and you were killed in that moment. But that's not the truth. You lived for several years together in the Knights Congregation, becoming friends, learning your magics, studying together, and then finally being separated when the fall of the Knights Congregation happened. <laughs> you wake up, you are still very upset. Have you ever woken up from a nightmare, like, just in general, and just been shaken to your core? That's exactly how Howland feels right now. Can you roll a constitution saving throw? Let's see. A natural one. Yeah! Yeah! Thank you, actually. Oh, my God. Yahoo! In your fear-induced moment of insanity, you're just overwhelmed completely with... Like, you're not crying. You're not, like, sobbing or anything, but tears just well up in your eyes, and they just continue to fall, and they don't stop. You just feel the walls closing in on you, and you just do not want to be there. You want to be anywhere else. I think you leave your room. And you just wander the halls. It's at night. You wander the halls for so long. I, th I think the one place you think to go is the place that you're most familiar with is the Mage's Hall because of the magics. It kind of reminds you of home a little bit. 
I think you make your way back there to the Mage's Hall, and you're shaken to your core. You rolled a nat 1 on this. This is probably the most upset you've been. Even when the Knight's Congregation fell, you didn't have this moment of just complete breakdown. I think from everything that happened today and from your nightmares of losing Rhea again, you just are shaken, and you wind up at the Mage's Hall. Except for one person, it's empty. But there is Arya, the halfling that runs the Mage's Hall. They are sitting there, and they just seem to be messing around with some potions. They spot you out of the corner of their eye, and at first they freak out, and they're like, Oh, oh God, How, Howland, are, are you okay, Howland? Considering that Howland is in such a not great spot right now, I'm going to imagine that Howland is just almost drenched in sweat. His eyes are literally like flashing purple on and off. Like they'll glow really bright purple for a couple of seconds and then go off and then they'll like sputter purple and they'll just keep doing that, so to speak, because his uh, emotions are just absolutely flaring. Howland just, he just uses a mage hand and is just like, yeah? Yep, we're fine. Just stay over there, because I do not know what will happen if you come over here right now. Okay, well, I'll, I'll, stay, I'll stay right here. It's, it's fine. He's in the mage's hall, and he's just like, he's coming down. He's like, like just breathing in and out pretty sporadically, and he's slowly working himself down. I want to say, eventually what he does, he he crosses his arms, sits Indian style, and starts floating up into the air, just kind of meditating for a second, just clearing his head. She just continues talking. She says, you know, I'm, I have bad, bad nights too, Howland, and I know you don't want to talk about it, so I understand. I just, I, I hope you're okay, and if you need anything, I'm here, because I know you don't like to show emotions, but I like to imagine that we're friends, Howland. I'll just shut up and I'll be over here if you do need anything. Howland heard that and he... Howland doesn't really know how to process that right now, but he's definitely not going to forget that. Howland is going to just stay quiet for about five minutes. After that, he is going to leave the mage's hall and i would say that howland is going to flat out walk literally into the desert of xander he's not gonna go far but he's gonna leave the castle and go like like maybe a hundred feet away like you can clearly see the castle in the distance but he's a good way away and it's still dead of night in the desert howland is just looking into the vastness of the desert and he's managed to calm himself down enough to where he's still coherent but he's still got tears coming down his face uncontrollably and he still looks incredibly troubled and howland is sitting in the desert everything that's happened in his life just starts to kind of boil to the surface how he felt about losing the knight's congregation how he feels about Rib leaving, how he feels about losing Rhea, 
how he feels about basically losing everybody that he knew twice, considering the orphanage. Even just how he feels almost trapped at the castle of Xander, which is deeply frustrating. And all of his weird, unformed emotions about Baggio and Griffin. It all comes to a head, and Howland... Howland floats about 50 feet into the air, which is incredibly unusual, and all of this emotion... Howland screams in the desert, and when he screams, a literal shockwave of purple energy, and specifically lightning, comes off of his body. It's almost like a solid beam of purple light shoots up into the sky. It is enough that you can see this for absolute miles and miles around, and when Howland screams and lets out this massive shockwave of magical force, just pent-up raw emotion, the clouds swirl around as he's still lashing in mid-air, fighting with himself. He slowly settles back down onto the ground after he lets loose this insane, magical blast. And the clouds are swirling around where Howland made that shockwave, where the beam of lightning and energy shot into the sky. The clouds start to circle, and it rains. It starts to absolutely pour in the desert of Xander for the first time in God knows how long. It is an absolute massive storm outside, and Howland is just sitting in the desert by himself in the rain, calming down. We cut to moments inside the castle. We see the Fright Knots all settling down for the night in their many different places. We see Arya in the potions room, worried about Howland. We cut to Griffin inside of the castle. We cut to Aldenreich, who's drunk, screaming at Magwell, who's also screaming at Aldenreich. We cut to many members of the castle as they realize that rain is pouring down onto the castle, into the desert. The lightning strikes. And the camera cuts. Keep the snow. We need the snow. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Rhythm. Okay. Okay. Rhythm. Okay. Okay. I don't. I don't know if you're gonna put this in as bloopers, but if if you do, if you don't, I don't know. Um, <laughs> for anyone listening, please understand that rhythm, the Discord bot rhythm, is stupid, and I hate it with 
all of my passion, everything in me. Literally, fuck that bot. Fuck you, Rhythm. That's fine. Hate you. David, was that Rhea? Or Leia? Or Rhea? Leia? What are you talking about? Little little woman. Little halfling woman that you said was a halfling, and then you were like, nah, it's a human. Uh, okay, so off the record, when I, you did remember when I said she was a halfling and I changed it to human. Okay, I'll yes. remember that. All right. So that's why. You bitch. What? You son of a bitch. What? You set me up. Also, what? for the love of God, give me five minutes because I am roasting. The air conditioner needs to be on. <laughs> five minutes. I was like, why? What is the significance? Why isn't she dead? Why do you keep fucking with me? And I was just sitting there. I was like, black hair. Her dad's dead. She can do magic. It's blue. And I just... Jimmy Neutron moment where it zooms in. Just brain blast! It's like, son of a bitch! (sighs) Yeah, Howlin's age, like... We need to specify that? Because if... If this, like, when he... If it was just somebody random, it, it wouldn't really matter. Um, but if this is him meeting Rhea, this needs to be a while. Like, this needs to be a long time ago. Like, Yeah, it, it was a long time ago. Like, it was very long ago. I, in my head, at first, I was going to be, like, your journey towards the Knight con- Knight's Congregation, but I didn't like that. I like it more that you were just going on a mission with Malik for the first time. I think you were like six or seven when you first met Malik. How old between then would you say you are? Well, Malik met Howland when he was like, what? Like five? Five, six? So at this point, ten is too young. How do you feel about Howland being like 13? 13 or 15? Can we do 12? Okay. So that's like a full six years that he spent at the Knights Congregation? Okay, yeah, 12. We can do 12. That being said, and please don't... I, I'm going to feel bad if this gets onto the uh, actual recording, but I'm going to show you the inspiration I had for what this uh, human woman looks like at, despite uh, besides the hair. So uh, don't... Don't say it? Don't say it, but like... You and I will know. And I'm going to, besides the hair, because they actually do look very terrifying, um, but I'm just going to send it to you directly on Discord. (laughs) No one will know. Secret. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, right. I see the resemblance. (laughs) It's, It's crazy. Yeah. Big muscle woman with big fat ass. (laughs) (laughs) And also, can we just say that Malik has heard all of this? Like, he's literally heard all of it. All the commotion. He's sitting at the mouth of the cave roasting marshmallows, like reading a book, just like... (laughs) (laughs) Just in the background, just like... Boom! He just hears Howland like, son of a bitch! Just (laughs) hearing this thing scream, and the girl's like, oh my god! Malik is just like... He just looks back in the cave, and then he turns to the camera, and Malik's just like, yeah, they're having fun. (laughs) 
I like that moment of you guys passing out. Matter of fact... Magwell isn't, like, a big magic guy, right? Magwell is the ghost. Do you remember it? Yeah. Magwell, and I'm thinking of Aldenreich. He's the old man. He's a fighter. He's not a magic guy. He's a fighter. Okay, so he's not a magic user. And Magwell is what? Just, she's a ghost, obviously, but she's... Is she magic? What? What is... She is a version of magic. She's a ghost, and what she does is she creates portals. She was part of the original members of the army before they were wiped out for some odd reason. No one really has gone into that in depth in the story. But she creates the portals for everybody to go in and out. She can open them. The gate seeds obviously create the portals, but she opens and closes them for people's use. She's basically the gatekeeper of the portal room. Who basically runs this castle? Like, if you had to take three people, like, that are the most integral to this castle that would probably know the most about it and the history. Like, not even about the castle, just everything that's gone on. Missions, all of it. Aldenreich and Magwell. Okay. They are the two original members. If I had to choose a top three, it would have been Alphonse, but, you know. Yeah, well, he's stupid. 